recording. I'm going to do this intro. Okay. Um, and because I haven't usually do it, I don't usually do it, but I need to start doing it. So we're going to do it here. Are you going to say the date? Well, no, <laughs> but I'm going to say the episode. Welcome to the Option 2 podcast. This is Kurt Rikiki, and this is episode number, let me try that again. Welcome to the Option 2 Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Rikiki, me, and my guest today is Michelle Gow. Welcome, Michelle. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are (laughs) you? Doing great. Excited to be here. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I can't wait to hear (laughs) what the heck you're going to ask me. (laughs) Well, um, let's start off kind of like I start everybody, just kind of where'd you grow up? Did you grow up here? In Oklahoma City, where were you born and raised? I was born in Oklahoma City, um, but I was actually raised in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. So I, uh, my mom actually had, you know, gotten married and had my sister and then got a divorce. Then she met my dad and had me and then got a divorce. And then she met my stepdad. And then she married him. And we lived in Oklahoma City in a little apartment. And my stepdad was a uh, national account manager for Revlon Cosmetics. And my mom worked at Albertsons. And that's where they connected. Skaggs so, Albertsons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. So they got married. And we moved to Shawnee when I was, gosh, five or six, I think. Hmm. And so that's where I, I'd say I grew up in Shawnee since okay. I graduated from high school there. Okay. And then you moved to, you went to college? I did. I went to Edmond. I went to the University of Central Oklahoma. Well, wait, my first year, I actually went to Ada, to East Central University, because I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And I was there for about a year, and my roommate that I was roommates with said, you know, I think next year I'm going to go up to Edmond, to UCO. Why don't you go with me? And I thought, God, I don't know anything about Edmond. And uh, my <sighs> I asked my parents, and they were like, sure, you can go if that's what you want to do. So I transferred my sophomore year and then ended up graduating from there hmm. with a communications public relations degree. Oh, that explains it. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I like to talk? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine that, right? <laughs> yeah. So I did that and then, uh, yeah, graduated from college and didn't know what the heck I was going to do. I think like most kids, when you get out, you're glad to have it, but then you're like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? How was college? It was fun. Oh, my God. College is the best time of your life. My, Both my sons are in college now, and I tell them, you are going to have the most fun you've ever had in your life in college. You're going to try things. You're going to meet new people. You're going to have different girlfriends. You know, it's just, it's fun. Yeah. Didn't you have a good time in college, Kurt? I didn't go to college. <gasps> well, you should go right now, then. <laughs> when we get done here, go and enroll, because you're going to have a great time, no matter what your age is. No, I didn't make it. I barely barely got out of high school oh i was a five-year senior what they don't have five-year seniors yes i was really yep i needed a second semester english and i went back the whole year oh my god and i almost failed that wow i didn't uh i was not into school i've said before on this podcast it's like they didn't tell me what i was why i was learning what i was learning so until they told me that, I refused to pay attention or do anything. I never even went. I oh. never. Some of the classes, my both my senior years, I never, I never went to. I've never heard somebody say both my senior years. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yep. Interesting. I was out on school, but I love 
you know, obviously I love learning, mm-hmm. but just not how they were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they still do it the same way probably. So and that's, that's sad. And that's my complaint is they're teaching in school to a few that learn the way that they're teaching mm-hmm. and the rest of the kids are just ass out. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. just like, uh, it's frustrating for it me. It can be. Yep. But okay, keep going. So you're in college? In college. Um, having the time of your life? Having the time of my life. Uh, I had joined a sorority that freshman year when I was in Ada. And then whenever I transferred to UCO, I thought, oh, I'll just kind of rejoin that same group. Okay. But the dues were pretty expensive. And my mom and dad said, listen, you know what? We really can't afford to do that. So you're not going to be able to be a part of it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll make friends even without, you know, being in the sorority. So, okay. and I did and loved it. Graduated. Now what are you doing? So um, that was graduated high school in 90, 94, graduated with my undergrad. And then that's whenever I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I thought, I don't know. Do I go to more school? I didn't know if I could get a job. And so a couple of the people that I graduated with decided to go get their master's at uh, Oklahoma State. And by that time, I was in love, you know, and I didn't (laughs) think, oh, my God, can I go to Stillwater? I live in Edmond. And so I went and I applied and they accepted me. And then I met with the dean of the uh, degree that I was getting and he offered me a job. So I could be a teaching assistant. Okay. So while I was getting my master's degree for two years, um, I got a full tuition fee waiver. They paid for all of my school. And then I taught freshmen, sophomores, and juniors speech 2713. So that's like a sophomore level class. And you teach students how to write, prepare, and give speeches, like persuasive, informative, um, just all the different speeches. So I'd have to be in Stillwater four days a week at 8.30 in the morning. But mm. I lived in Edmond because I was in love and I commuted. <laughs> I like how you say that. Because I was, you know, when you're young and in love and dumb and, you know, you just are like, oh, I don't want to be away from you. And so, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So then after I graduated and then we got married the next month. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Married. And then. Uh, so graduated in 96 with my master's in speech communication consulting. So still down that communication path. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's next? What's your first job out of that? I went to work for a uh, GYN, a gynecologic oncologist. So that was kind of like my first taste into what I was going to do. The medical field? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked for a doctor here in Oklahoma City, and he paid me $12 an hour, and I was his marketing rep. I don't really know what that meant, but... A friend of mine that I graduated with, she was his office manager and said, hey, why don't you come to work here? And I did that for about, I don't know, maybe six or eight months. And then I left because he didn't have health insurance. And since I'd just gotten married, that was important. So then I went to work for Community Care HMO in also still in Oklahoma City. And uh, I was a provider service rep. So at that point, I was walking into doctor's offices and telling them, hey, when you have patients come to see you, make sure you send them to the right labs because there's a per capita capitation fee schedule that the doctors get paid if you make sure your patients go to the right places. Mm-hmm. If they go to the wrong places, it's going to cost our healthcare system more money. So it was my job to say, okay, you're on this plan. When you have these patients that come in and see you, make sure you send them to XYZ. Okay. PDQ. Yeah. So I did that for about a year and a half. 
and I shared an office with a guy named Brian. So Brian, if you're out there, you know who you are. And he was an attorney that uh, I shared this office with, and I don't, he did something uh, with our contracting. Personality of a rope. The most boring person you'd ever meet in your life. And he ended up leaving. And I thought, well, who the crap is going to hire him? He went to work for Johnson & Johnson as a drug rep in oh. pharmaceutical sales. And I thought, for the love of God, if somebody will hire Brian, who has zero personality, surely somebody would hire me. So <laughs> Why I... Why you say that? <laughs> because I'm way more outgoing and talkative. I mean, yes, I shared an office with this guy. And, oh, God. He's just so boring. How was your weekend, Michelle? <laughs> Good, Brian. How was your weekend? Well, that sounds great. So, yeah. No, I just hung out with the family. Oh, my God. But, no, not not his family of, like, a girlfriend or something. Family like his parents or his sister. Mm, okay. He just didn't really have a lot of friends. But his social skills were definitely lacking. And for the, like I said, if somebody's going to hire him, for shit's sake, they're going to hire me. Yeah. Yeah. So I did what most girls would do. I feel like Elle Woods in this, you know, particular circumstance. I go and I get this big giant book called the PDR. It's called the uh, Physician Desk Reference. You flip it open to the back. It tells you every single name of every drug company known to man. So I was like, mm, oh, I've heard of that company. Oh, I've heard of that one too. Oh, oh, I know that one too. So at that time, back in the day, called him and said, hi, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm looking for a pharmaceutical job. Where should I send my resume? And then they would say, um, usually in Dallas, that's like centrally located for most of all the drug companies. Mm -hmm. So I did that. I actually printed out my resume and I put it in the mail with a cover letter stamped and sent them out. This was late 90s? Mm, no, this was, uh, see, I graduated, uh, yes. So I graduated in 96. This would have been in 1998. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I had a, Couple. How many did you send out? You know, I don't know, probably 10, I think, to 10 different companies. And a couple of them I, I just had known a little bit. But for the majority, I was like, oh, yeah, I know that company. I know that company. I know that, yeah, that company. And then uh, when it came down to it, I had two companies going back and forth that I was interviewing with. And one was Park Davis and one was Pfizer. And I thought, oh, okay, these are both great companies. And came down to it I took the job with Park Davis because it was even less money than the one with Pfizer because the manager with Pfizer said to me Michelle I hire people who make me look good if you don't make me look good I don't need you <gasps> okay for someone who's fresh out of college and just trying to really get their feet in the door that scared the crap out of me mm -hmm. I was like I don't want to work for you you're probably gonna be some animal <laughs> so I took the job you know, it was thirty-five thousand dollars is what the starting pay was, but at Pfizer it was like thirty-seven five, oh, and that was a big difference. You know, when you're like, oh, my first job, my first real job, they're going to give me a company car, I'm going to get a, you know, an allowance, um, I'm going to get a cell phone allowance. You know, it, you felt like you're on top of the world. Mm -hmm. Exactly a year later, Pfizer purchased Park Davis. I am in my kitchen on a Saturday morning, and my home phone rings. And I go, hello? And he was like, Michelle, this is Dale. And I was like, oh my God, I knew exactly. And he goes, with Pfizer. And I said, oh my gosh, how are you? And he goes, you know, I've been keeping up with you over the past year. I know I know you didn't take that original offer. And uh, I just wanted to say congratulations and, you know, welcome aboard now. And I go, see there, Dale, you wanted me so bad you bought my company. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun. 
So so he was cool with it. He was so cool with it. Yeah. And so I, you know, obviously jumped on board and then they did some kind of a salary negotiation thing and they gave everybody at Park Davis a raise because they were bringing them up to the standards that everybody at Pfizer was. Because <laughs> if you're going to buy a company, it's got to be equal. If it's not, you're going to have, you know, mutiny on your hands. Now, Pfizer was a bigger company. Much bigger. I thought so. Yeah, but they wanted Park Davis for their women's health division and because they made Lipitor. Mm. And Lipitor, a big cholesterol drug, you know, rolling that out. They wanted to get their hands on that and so and not just market it. So they decided to buy us and there we were. So we were That's all, one way to get it. Yeah. You know, if you just want it, you just buy it. If you can afford it. But yeah. So did that. Um gosh. How long know. did you work there? How was that? Did they it was, was it like to what you're doing now, which is, you know, fly mm-hmm. around, do this, do yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a specific territory that I called on which was, you know, a, a primary care. So if you've got Oklahoma, you've got four quadrants usually of the state, and I had kind of one quadrant of that. Um, favorite drug to sell during that time was probably Viagra. I mean, you know, mm. I'd go out there and say it's uh, more effective and cheaper than a bottle of wine. I mean, because, listen, people need their Viagra. And so even now that I'm 48 years old and in the dating realm, I would ask people, you know, listen, is there any erectile dysfunction issues? Because if there are, it's okay. Let's talk about it. Because I'm all about putting it on the table. And so it's just part of life as we get older. But that's probably definitely been my fa- my most favorite drug to ever sell. You, that's probably like crack. It's like you don't have to find the people to buy it. You just no. need to sell it and they'll come get it. No. Right? And, Exactly. I, my numbers were pretty good. And so I'm thinking, is erectile dysfunction a big deal in Oklahoma? What's the deal? So I'll tell you a little story. My biggest um, physician, she is in a very small rural town in Oklahoma. And my boss said to me, oh, my gosh, look at this doctor. She's like blowing it out. What is she doing? So I went in and said, hey, doctor, da, 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 da. Um, <clears throat> you know, you're running a lot of Viagra. Where do you think that's from? And she was like, listen. I've got little farmers around here and they will come in and they want me to, you know, prescribe like 50 or a hundred. And I was like, for the love, I mean, what do they do with them? They really can't be doing it all those months. And they said, no, they're like crushing it up and putting it in their bulls so that they're more. Whoop, whoop, really? Whoop. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I don't think it's really indicated, you know, to be more bulls, more <laughs> money. <laughs> well, and that's the way they looked at it too. So, you know, when my boss said to me, so what's going on down there? And I was like, I think there's just a lot of erectile dysfunction. I did not disclose any of that. I just let it happen because the doctor's the one who prescribes it. I just present the information. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it was always very fun to go in and uh, I would, it was, it was a fun time. I would spend like an afternoon with a physician and I'd go in and as a medical student and they would, you know, explain, hey, can she come in and visit? And I remember being in a little office and it was in Shawnee, believe it or not, with a physician little old guy comes in and this physician is you know trying to talk to this patient who has diabetes and some cardiovascular issues about you know there is now a little blue pill that we can give you and he said I'm not having any of it and you know this physician said you don't want to try it and he said no what I'm doing works good and then the doctor said well tell me what you're doing that works so well and he was using Caverject and for you and other people that may not know what that is it's where you actually load a syringe full and you put the needle to the base of your penis and inject it and then it helps it bring blood flow and it helps it get bigger and he said he'd been doing it for 15 years and if it's not broken 
he didn't want to fix it so no blue pill for him which i was amazed i'd much rather take a pill than giving me a shot at the base of anything but you know what but it, like he said if it's working then keep it working that way interesting <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's why I started doing these. I love learning things that I, I didn't have any idea about and learning about my friends and people I know. Yeah. I just learned yeah. amazing things from Well, all if you ever have friends. any erectile dysfunction issues, you know, Kurt, you just got to give me a call. Hopefully it'll be a while and I'll come see you when we're oh, old and decrepit. You're, you know, getting up there, so it can happen. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that was, what, 20-something years ago because I had a yeah. friend of mine who... Um, who was always talk about that, always getting those pills. And I was just like, what are you, he was like a year older than me, which was, you know, this was 99 or 98, 99. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was buying cars from me and stuff and he would get those pills and I'd be like, what? you know, we're like 35 or something to 32. Oh but gosh. he was just like, forget that, man. You know, there's I mean, a lot of experimenting and even the nurses and stuff that I called on, they were like, well, heck, if it's going to work for, you know, the men, is it going to work for the women? And I had a few nurses that took it, and most of them didn't have any great response, but they actually, Pfizer actually did start a study with just females, and it didn't, uh, it didn't come to anything. Now that was like a, wasn't that like a cardiovascular pill mm -hmm. to start with the, to increase yeah, blood flow? Yeah, the original indication was that they were studying that for blood pressure, because what, the, what it is, it's a vasodilator, so think about all of your arteries, and they're just dilating, therefore blood flow can increase. And so they were thinking it was blood pressure. But when in the trials, they were figuring out that these men, their side effects, that they were getting an erection. And so it does, it's not just going to pop up, but it's going to be a lot easier to pop up with, you know, the Open right arteries person. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what was some of the other drugs that were big sellers? Oh, God. Diabetes, Glucotrol XL. Um, Acupril is an ACE inhibitor. It's a class of drugs to treat hypertension, and there's probably 15 of them. And I just sold one. And so, you know, when you sell, there's like 150 drugs to treat hypertension. Most people don't know that. And they've got a lot of different classes. There's an ARB, and then there's ACEs. And, um, now, does this just treat the symptoms, or is this something to cure mm -hmm. it? No, it's just going to treat your symptoms. And a lot of times people are on more than one medication. They're on a diuretic. And then they're on, you know, the ACE inhibitor, which is really good because it protects your kidneys. And that's what I sold. Um, and so, and that's what I was on forever. But the side effect is cough. And so if you hear a lot of older people and they're coughing a lot, you're like, oh God, get off that ACE inhibitor, get on something else. Oh. Um, but, you know, there's always side effects, I think, with, with all of the drugs and things that are out there. But yeah, no, I did that and I can't even think of it. So I was at Pfizer for five years and then Pfizer decided to come in and buy another company. And they bought a company called Pharmacia Upjohn. And this particular company um, had a division in ophthalmology. So instead of being a primary care rep, I would get promoted to a specialty rep. And with that came a little more money, a little more responsibility, a hell of a lot more travel. I had the entire state of Oklahoma. I had Branson, Springfield, Joplin, Missouri, and I had Wichita Falls, Texas. And at this time, I still had samples. So every morning I would go to my storage unit, load my trunk full, then I would go and see eight to 10 physicians a day, have them sign for samples, of course, and then drive back home. So there were many a days I'd get up at five in the morning and leave and drive to Springfield, and then I would turn around and drive home that same day and get home at 10 o'clock at night, but 
that's what you have to do when by that time I got married and we had a baby and then two years later we had another baby and so Mm. it's just what you do which is part of the reason I think we got divorced too because I was kind of moving up he was kind of moving up in his job and we were so focused on you know jobs and growing that we just we grew but we didn't always maybe kind of grow together so what happens when you get to see somebody for 30 minutes I know, and he's not much of a talker either. So <laughs> he would just be like, mm-hmm. How's your day? Good. Well, what did you do? Nothing. Oh, for the love of God. Yeah, no. I need a little more conversation than that. So, yeah. But Especially trying to get a guy to have conversation like that at 11 o'clock at night. Okay, well, well, I'm sure we were in bed by 11 o'clock at night. That was just every now and then. But for the most of the time, yeah, no, I was... Um, always taking kids to daycare and picking them up mm-hmm. and then as they get a little older then they're at different daycares and then you got school and you know you just get kind of more a little bit more busy with other things mm-hmm. so yep so when did it uh, how long did this go on uh, working for that company well for the first five years it was in primary care and the last the next four were in that specialty role mm-hmm. and um one of the guys I worked with in primary care, because you got to remember with Pfizer, we were huge. There were about 120 sales reps with Pfizer in the state of Oklahoma. Wow. Just Oklahoma? Yes, because we had so many drugs. So it was, we needed that many. But anytime our competition was going to add a new sales force or a new sleeve, Pfizer would be right there to do it with them. So, you know, you're always trying to kind of outdo the competition, whoever that is either with data or with salespeople. And so uh, I, after I was there for nine years, one of the guys I worked with in primary care, he had left about a year and a half before then, and he had gone to Genentech. And Genentech is an amazing oncology company. So if you want to get into cancer cells, that's a wonderful place to land, whether you're starting there, you're ending there. And um, I interviewed with 14 million other people and I got the offer to move over and do that. And so then I was, I was there and selling cancer drugs in the state of Oklahoma, loving it. And then they buy somebody else and kind of restructure. And then I lose my job oh, through wow. to downsizing. Mm-hmm. So, so how hard was it to get another, another job? Probably not very hard. Well, it's it's hard in oncology because there's not near as many opportunities mm-hmm. um, as there is like in primary care, or cardiology, or you know pulmonology or something like that. But I lost. I was told they always do it right before the holidays. Every drug company, it's like a week or two before Thanksgiving, and it just screws up your whole time. But they did give me you know a severance package, and so they told me in November, and you can't get a job for 60 days. That's part of your severance package. So I couldn't get a job until something like January 17th. And the week of Valentine's Day, I'd started a new job. But I went back into primary care because I needed a job. And there's so many more of those. And somebody hired me. And I was there for a couple of years and did well. And while I was there, just uh, talking to another colleague of mine with another company. That's the thing about when you're in pharma. You have friends in everywhere, in a lot of states. And if you're on the road all the time, there's nothing to do but call people and to talk and to catch up. So um, one of them said, hey, Michelle, you know that uh, company that you worked for, Genentech, and the drug that you sold? I go, yeah. And she said, there's a brand new company with Beringer Ingelheim. They're going to have an oncology division. And supposedly, it's going to be the competition to what you sold. And I was like, really? Oh, maybe I should apply for that. Was this in January? 
this was um, probably, yeah, because I've been there for a couple of years. So Pfizer for nine, Genentech for four, got laid off, went back into primary care for two, and then got this opportunity to go and sell the competition to what I used to sell. And so, and I was there for two years and then I walked across the stage number one in the country. Thank you very much. Yay. Right. <laughs> <sighs> one of my prouder sales moments. And then that day that I walked across the stage, I gave my notice. Really? Yeah. Because? Well, because I knew they were kind of a one drug wonder, one hit wonder, one drug wonder. Mm -hmm. Didn't know where it was going to go long term. And I knew the company that I work for now, which is Bristol Myers Squibb, was going to have a phenomenal pipeline, tons of drugs. And I just. A I Bristol Myers is like a nine billion or 200 billion dollar I, I should know that and I don't even know no, I looked I them up nine. I looked them up I think it was yesterday or today and oh you did like, oh good I think their annual sales is some number was 240 billion and then some number was 9 billion so it's I don't think whatever. it's 240 billion but let's go for the nine probably for one of our drugs for sure yeah yeah. yeah so I just said to my boss you know what I'm gonna be quitting and going somewhere else and they're like what I what said, year did you drop your notice at? Yeah, 2015 oh is wow, when I, okay. I told him. So I yeah. knew you then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got pictures from us like back in 2012. Yep. We were all at Red Rock one night. Mm -hmm. I think Michelle and Jill and my friend Kara. And you had your little hat on. Yeah. And I was dating some little dorky dude. And we were all in that picture together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Yeah, we were that. at the bar, I think. We were at the bar okay. outside the fun times. Yes. I've not been out there when they have live music in forever, have you? Yep. We went, uh, my li I think my life group went a while back, maybe a month, a couple of months ago. How was it? It was good. I mean, people were just, it was kind of, it's kind of like the first day of school, you know, where you're kind of sizing everything up because uh -huh. you're back in because of COVID. Oh, right. And it kind of, oh, we're all out again. We don't oh have our masks on. The band's playing, you know, what's oh going God. on? It's kind of weird. Were people dancing with their masks on? No. Okay. No, they didn't have. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. The well. only people that were wearing masks was, I think, the staff. Oh, okay. So. Well, good. Have you been vaccinated? Me? Uh-huh. No. Oh, okay. Well, it's a choice for everybody. I, I, th I had COVID back in January. Oh, so it's been pretty recent-ish? Yeah. Yeah. Five months ago or whatever. Huh. I just remember food tasting like nothing for like a month. Yeah. And so I was like, I got COVID. I remember the f like the first time I was like eating my food and I was like, I can't even taste this. I'm pouring sugar and salt on it. Yeah, kinda. no, you can't taste anything. Oh yeah, I got COVID, great. <sighs> so, you know, I work alone most of the time. So I just stayed away from area for another, till everything went away. Yeah, okay. Well, that was good then. Hmm. Yep. So yeah, that's where I was uh, in 2015 and then decided to leave there and come on board with Bristol Myers and gosh, I've been here now. It'll be six years, or it just turned six years. Yeah, six. Uh, so how do you how do you like that? Are you doing the same thing, driving? Same thing, oncology. Well, not for the past year. We've been stuck at home and on conference calls. You mm -hmm. know, six hours a day it seems like. But now that the offices are opening back up, and in June we can start flying again if we have meetings and different things. So, thank God we're getting some sense of normalcy coming back. But yep, still in oncology, still selling cancer drugs um, to all of the oncologists in the state. 
So uh, what are your kids going after in, in college? Do they know yet? Or are they just yeah, you know, in college? Joshua, my baby, he's 19. He thinks he wants to be a certified nurse anesthetist. So for people that have big surgeries, um, sometimes like a, if you have a colonoscopy or something, a lot of CRNAs, they're the ones who administer the Versed or the Valium or whatever it is that they're going to give you. If you are going in for a much longer, you know, surgery, let's say maybe open heart surgery or something that's going to take several hours, that a lot of times physicians will use anesthesiologists for that. But they're leaning more towards these days to be a CRNA because, you know, they can pay them less and the anesthesiologist, and they can still put them to sleep the same way. Mm-hmm. I think it's a couple of years less schooling than an anesthesiologist MD. Okay. So, and the other one, he was stressing a little bit before I left to come over here. He's going to take the LSAT. That's the entrance exam to get into law school. And he's the political warrior of the family. He's the Uh-oh. the kid who wants to get into politics, and he's very political. I mean, most people that meet him like him because he talks to everybody, especially the old people. I thought it was just my parents and then all the people their age. But he really learns. He asks a lot of questions. He wants to know what people are thinking. What was it like in their day? And uh, he I need went to have to, a conversation with him. You should. He went to... You know, OU his freshman year, and then he left, and he said, "Mom, I think I, I think I'm going to try." Or during his freshman year, he said, "I think I'm going to go and get into this student body legislature." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, he wasn't even in student council in high school. Is he really going to want to do this?" Okay. And so OU takes 300 applicants. You apply to be a part of this group, and then they interview 80 of you face to face, and only 30 freshmen get it. And Dalton was one of them. So he goes in. But however, you have no voice, Kurt. They allow you to be in the group, but you can't speak, and you don't have any voting voice. And no, it's you, college. I, but if you want to have a voting voice, you have to run against one of the other guys, and then you have to earn that right to have that seat to have that. And he goes, I think I'm going to I'm gonna run and do that. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I didn't want I just didn't want to be crushed. If he didn't get it, he would be so upset. And he got it. And I was like, oh, my God, he got it. And then that summer, he got an internship in Washington, D.C., where he was interning for Senator Susan Collins from Maine. And since my ex-husband lives in Maine, he could apply for that one or he could apply, apply for the Oklahoma one with Inhofe. And he got that one. So he was there all summer. So then he comes back. He's all jazzed up and excited. And, you know, he lived in a brownstone with, like, 11 other kids his age. His roommate was like from Harvard and the girl that he kind of liked, liked, is from Yale. And uh, he was like, that face is for. He, well, you know what it kind of means for. Mm, they had a little special time that's be his little girlfriend while he was there. And so, but he said, Mom, I feel kind of dumb. I go, why? And he goes, because, Mom. I mean, they're from Yale and Harvard and all my roommates. They're really cool. And you wouldn't know that. But it's still pretty prestigious. And I have to say I'm from OU. And I was like, honey, you earned the right just like they did. Don't let that bother you one bit. Be proud of who you are. And he was like, okay. So when he comes home, like I said, he's all jazzed up. He's excited. He thinks he's going to change the world. So as a sophomore, he goes and runs for an office, um, vice president of the entire student body at OU. There's like 19,000 kids there. 
and he is so stressed out, but he loves it. He's running around. He's meeting with all the sororities. He's got pictures of him in the front with like 100 girls, probably with 10 different pictures, 10 different sorority houses. He was going saying, hey, why vote for me? This is what I want because he's also in a fraternity. And he said this is, you know, that was kind of his jam. So he found a president, and they ran on the ticket together, and they had debates, and we recorded them, and he ran against three other sets of people. I think there were like 12 at first, and they narrowed down to the four. Mm-hmm. And then Dalton and his teammate, who ran for president, got 69% of the votes. Wow. I was like, oh, my God, maybe he does have a little knack for something. So he thinks he wants to go to law school. So he's going to graduate from OU early. He'll get out in December, and then uh, we got a law school always starts everybody in the fall, like in August. So he'll have some time to figure out what he's going to do. But so um, what? And that's usually that's like the path to being in politics is being a lawyer first. I, it seems like most of the poli- the political people they all have a law degree from somewhere. And if he really wants to go that route, he probably does need to go back up to Georgetown somewhere. He wants to go to the D.C. area. But it's so damn expensive. I looked at it. It's seventy, like one or two thousand a year. That's just to go to school. That's not to live there. And it's you're looking at three more years. And I was like, OU is great. And he was like, Mom, you know, I've just spent all this time at OU. I want to explore. I'm young. I want to go do something different. And his dad's really encouraging him to, you know, go out of state. And I think he got this bug, this lawyer bug, because my ex-husband's wife is an attorney and her dad is an attorney, and he's pretty close to them, and they've been married for by 12 years now and so he's gonna get a scholarship well it depends on the LSAT that test is very important so he needs to smash that so right before I came over here I was like what are you doing he was like I'm just studying so he's got the, the prep books and it's probably gonna be one of those tests like our kids take for the ACT or the SAT they're gonna take it a couple times maybe even more than a couple to kind of figure out where they fit in um, but I know like that admissions people at uh, OU that they kind of look at everything it's like your undergrad GPA which I think most universities and colleges do too Mm -hmm. but they look at the individual as well and I was like well you're a student body vice president for the love of God surely you'd have a great shot of getting into OU and he was like I know but I don't want to go to OU however that LSAT score is going to be the determining factor so Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, I know it's exciting it's fun but when's he take the test or when does he June, have to submit the test? Yeah, June uh, 12th or 13th. Okay. And it's online. And I was like, well, honey, how are they going to know if it's you or not? He needs to have a team there. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but no, it's recorded and they have to see your face. Okay. And because of the whole COVID thing, it's uh, like a two-hour test. And mm. I thought, that's it? I mean, I thought it would be a whole lot more. But just two hours. So not. we'll see what that's going to happen. So he's been at home since he got out of school a couple weeks ago. And they're just he's just been studying. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what else is new? I don't know. Let's talk about like relationships or love or friendships, something. So are you in a life group? I am or not. Are you, you're, are you still in the women's group? Is it, or are you just in that DO40 or your own group? You probably no. have your own group. Stop it. I do a lot of girlfriends. You know, I, I like people. Um, I'm in the DO40 group. Which, for people that don't know, it's divorced over 40. If you are widowed or divorced, male, female, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, there is a group in Tulsa that started this last September. And uh, consequently, one of the women that's in the 
became the founder of this, I went to high school with her. And so that's when I first started seeing her posting about things and saying, and who's this? Julie. Okay. And uh, it's not that it's to get people to find people to date, but of course, you know, there are those people that are always on the hunt and looking. And there are some, the name, there's uh, some thirsty people out the there. The name implies, you know, divorced over, over 40. 40. That's not like swimming lessons. Well, I know it's not swimming lessons, but <laughs> it's a good way to kind of meet people. And especially the men, it seems like they're very shy. They're very shy. Like they don't know what to say. They're not sure how to approach or what to do. But then I've heard that some of the women, boy, they'll just reach out and reach out and reach out. But I think the men think that they want to date when they really, some of them truly have just wanted friendship. Because mm-hmm. one of the women I've gotten to know and become close to, she's like, Michelle, I've reached out to this person and this person and this person. I've said, let's go Dutch. Let's just go grab dinner. But the men are all thinking that that's like a come on. And it's really not. They, She really just wants true friendship. So then, yeah. She needs to make that evident. Or maybe just even spell it out for the guy. Some, uh, you know how we have, we can be just, uh, you know, brain dead sometimes. And you guys basically have to write it down and like show it to us here. Oh this is, God. I'm looking for friendship and to build relationships. You know, I think she did finally put something like that out there on Facebook in the group. Just to, not for her, mm-hmm. but she was like, you know, I think that some men might think that women might want more than that when we really just want this. And I was like, oh good, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a great little group and. Um, yeah, there's some friends that I've had for probably, I don't know, six or seven years and we do dinner every other week. Um, or we try to, if it's not every three weeks. So there's four of us that get together and, uh, we, one person will make dinner at their house and we might get there at six and not leave until 10. Mm -hmm. Or if that person who's supposed to cook that week can't do it, then we'll just meet at a restaurant and sit there for a couple of hours and just catch up and, you know, jib jab and. I don't know. We've always got something to talk about. You get some women together in a glass of wine or a Cosmo or something, and <laughs> we are good to go. Oh, yeah. You're my Cosmo girl. I love Cosmos, if yeah, you know how to make them right. But I'm getting very picky. The last uh, time we went to Red Rock, it seems like they made them okay. We yeah. Them you know what? I think they did. Yeah, someone's stepping up there for sure. <laughs> but yes. Um, That's a big deal if, if a bar or restaurant makes has a reputation of not great drinks or Ugh. cocktails. It's like we... Forget avoid it. them. They do have great salads, though, too, at yeah. Red Rock. I mean, Red their Rock's food all is good, good. Pretty much. Always good. It's just a matter of, okay, do you want to drive out there? Do you want to beat the crowd? Is there a place to park? You know, sometimes that can kind of be. I like that because I'm like five minutes, I know. six minutes from them. I know. I Louise like where you live. I haven't been uh-huh. to your house. And yeah. I know I really like it. I didn't know where I was even going. And I was like, well, Kurt. But I never went to your other house that you had when, in Moore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, that was I've rented that house. It was a brand new house, and they just built after the tornado. Oh, and I rented it for a year because my daughter lives in Moore, mm-hmm. and so I was stayed there for a year. My lease was up. I was like, I hate it over here. I love my daughter, but my life was over here. Everything was over here, mm-hmm. so I had to just moved out of there. And I figured I'd just get her in school for a while mm-hmm. and get her a little up, and then you know maybe find a place over there. Yeah. she's a little a little bit older. So, so how long have you been here? About a year, year and a half. Okay. Hmm. Well, thanks for inviting me over for this podcast when you yeah. haven't invited me over all this other time. But hey, you know, that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> I can handle it. You've been busy. You know, I have been. Life is busy. Yeah. It has been really busy. Um, I've had two life groups. So that I keeps two? Busy, yeah. How do you have time? I make it a priority. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think you I have work, to. You know, I work whatever, four in the morning till 1130. And so I've got my whole afternoon off to do. You go to bed at like do. six o'clock at night, don't you? Seven o'clock sometimes. Oh my God. On my, like I know tonight. if I ever text you and I never hear from you and I'm like, where? Oh my God. And then you'll text back at whatever crack of dawn. I'm like, um, hello, <laughs> I am normal. I do not get up at four o'clock and go check on my biceps. You need to turn your phone off at night. I do. It's okay. on silent. Good. Yeah, for sure. Heck, I'm like, I woke up and now I have both my boys home for the summer. So no, they, we know the rule at the house. If you come home, you just have to text me and say home. Yeah. Cause if not, if I wake up at three in the morning and I look at my phone and I don't have two homes, I'm like, Oh my God, tracking their asses. Where are they? What's going on? Oh my God. Is somebody dead in a ditch. There's no phone calls. Yeah. Right. No. I'm used to my boys. They've, they've started driving and they were gone at 17. So I'm I know. used to it by now, but I was mortified. You know, the first time when they drive away, I like, know. Oh my God. they're well, grown. And I expected my little one, my 19-year-old, to come home for the summer because he lived in the dorm. So he's got to move home. But in August, he'll be getting his apartment. My son, who's studying for the LSAT, I thought, his apartment is year-round. He probably won't even come home. And then a couple of weeks ago, he said, oh, I'll probably come home, you know, week on, week off. I'll be in Norman a week, and then I'll come to your house for a week. And I was like, okay. And then he came home last week, and he said, you know what, Mom? I love it here. I think I'm just going to stay home the whole summer. And I'm like, Great. <laughs> He's the kid who doesn't pick up after himself, though. And I'm oh, like, oh, nice. my God, put your crap that's in the, put it in the sink, put it in the dishwasher. You know where it is. That's where I'm going to put it. Don't let it stack up. This is not a fraternity house. Like, clean your room, pick up your stuff. You know how you can solve that? Shit, if I find one more water bottle, I'm going to, like, I'm not going to buy any more water because we've gone through, like, a case and a half. Because he just drinks. I'm like, get it out of the faucet. Get a Yeti, for the love of God. Stop trying to, oh, how do I get it? How do I remedy it? Just leave him. No, uh, you just have a trash bag in your room and you go around in the house every few hours and whatever stuff's out, you put in the trash bag, disappears. Oh. And then when your kids come looking for it, you say, where did you leave it? Hmm. Hmm. So what I got done and it helped me <laughs> find it? my bedroom real quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, cause the stuff's gone. I used to, I used to go psycho on my kids when they would do stuff. Yeah. I would be passive aggressive yeah and then they would come to me <laughs> looking for something or asking about something and I'm say, like oh. I would bring up whatever problem I had before yeah with them and they would know so they don't huh they fix that real quick if you're I mean but you've <gasps> got to be yeah you've got to be solid though you can't be like iffy and waffly yeah. and say like oh, if they leave their honey. shoes out Mm -hmm. Those motherfuckers need to leave and be gone <laughs> forever. And then or one of them be gone. Say hmm. maybe, you know, maybe if this house is clean for a week or two, maybe your shoe will show up. Oh, you know what? It'll just pop up somewhere. And yeah. Boop. There it is. But, you know, I don't, I, I shouldn't be having to tell y'all this no. being grown adults. Mm -hmm. So just well, be a little nutty and a little psycho and that'll work. I promise. Okay. Well, I can work on it. You know, I'm not normally psycho or nutty. Mm, maybe a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. Hmm. I think you can. I don't know. Maybe I depends. would call you and motivate you. You. While you're there and say, hey. You could. You want to do those kids a favor? Yeah. You know, yeah. and fix them before they get married? Yeah. No kidding. Pick up your shit. I know it. They do need to. One of them is really good, though. And the They're other not one's eight, not. eight, nine years old. I know. God. I think I liked it better when they were that old. Because then I could tell them Control, what to do. yeah. You, you can know. tell them what to do. You just don't. Uh, they don't have a choice. It's your house. 
I know. They don't have a choice. Well, I think I know. It's they you're a woman. You're not hardcore. No, I can be no no no. I can be hardcore. I can give the kids a look and I can say, you know what, clean this shit up and they'll be like, Oh God, mom's mad. We better do it. We don't want to make her more mad. Oh God. You get me fired up. I want to come over there and be like, well, <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? You cannot do that. They'd be like, Mom, who the hell is this? What What is he doing? They know who I am. I know. I told him. I told Dalton. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go over and see my friend Kurt, and he's doing this podcast. He was like, really? What's it on? I go, I guess me. And he goes, well, okay, have fun, Mom. I was like, he was like, do your best. I'm like, okay. What is it with these kids? I remember a long time ago whenever I ran a half marathon, my youngest son had said to me, Mom, you're you're going to do great. And literally, I was running in like Gainesville, Florida for a breast cancer run. And there were I remember that. thousands of people there. And he was like, Mom, you'll do great. Do your best. Come in first. And I'm like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I can barely breathe. <laughs> I mean, 13 miles of anything, whatever. Oh, my God. Which I have to tell you, you know, I'm doing this really big bike ride for my company that I work for. And it's uh, totally to fundraise for cancer research. So every dollar that I get someone to contribute my company matches that a hundred percent so they sent me a bike and then i'm all geared up now and this is a training plan no no no. it's in september september so it's called coast to coast so think of the entire united states starting at one point and going all the way across to the other side so there's 147 riders and i'm going to be slotted with 20 of them and so my segment with my other 19 riders is in Montana. It's from, <laughs> it's in, uh, what is it? Missoula to Billings. So it's, I will be riding my bike 225 miles over a three-day period. Wow. And so I just started training for that about a month ago. And uh, I've... That's when, like 80 miles a day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, uh, you know what? I applied for it, and they asked you all these questions on the questionnaire. They were like, uh... Uh, when is the last time you rode a bike? And I'm like, do I lie or do I tell the truth? Shit, I better tell the truth. Uh, sixth grade. Okay, and then they said, in the last 10 years, what's the furthest you've ever ridden a bike? And I was like, uh, I don't know when the last time I was in on a bike. Maybe at the gym, which I hate that thing. It hurts my crotch. Like, I don't even want to be on it. Maybe a mile. I don't know. And they were like, I thought, God, they're going to have a beginner and then they're going to have an experienced group. And then they're going to have Michelle. Because I'm not going to fit into any of those. Because I have not done any of this bike riding stuff. But that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it. I can tell my legs are getting more toned. I mean, I rode uh, 24 miles last Friday. And I was like, oh my God, I did that. I can't believe it. Now, I could barely walk the next day. Because I was like, holy shit, am I tired? And my knees are hurting. And my feet are kind of a little crampy. What kind of bike did they send you? They sent me a Fuji bike. Okay. Um, I think it's like titanium little bike and mm-hmm. I, I, that biking gear is not sexy. You know, you gotta get the butt with the mm-hmm. pads in them and it's just icky. So, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be riding, I think 30 You'll miles. You'll be able to do it. If I'll, you're I'll training. Be able to do, yeah, no, I'm on this training plan that they put me on and I've just been searching on Facebook for bike riding groups and I've found a couple I've gone with that are just women on Monday nights and I'm going to do one tomorrow night. That's like 25 miles out to Cashin doing one that's 30 miles on a Friday. I hate those ones on the street. Well, I know, but at least we're together. And you have your lights on and your helmet. And I'm surprised how much I actually like it. But I don't like doing it by myself because they sent me a trainer and I'm at home. And the rain in Oklahoma, what the hell is up with all this rain? It is the rainy season. It'll be over in a couple of weeks. 
it needs to hurry it up because I don't want to ride in the rain. You got plenty of time. That that when you think about eighty miles and you've got a nice high end bike mm-hmm. and it's properly maintained, mm-hmm. you'll be able to cruise through that eighty miles depending on like the terrain. Well, the problem though, I just found out uh, last week that our trainer guy from the Walton Endurance team mentioned. He said in Montana that every day we will have about a three to 4,000 mile elevation. And I'm like, oh God, like how much is that? I don't even know, but it sounds like a lot. Three, 4,000 foot? A day. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a lot? It sounds like a lot to me. That's a small mountain like in Oklahoma. Like is like that? Mount, maybe Mount Scott. I was going to say, it, is that's it? A, that's, a, that's a big deal. Uh, you need to get used to that. Yeah. But even, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. Saturdays ago, I rode from Edmond downtown Oklahoma or Edmond downtown to Remington Park. And then I, we turned around and then we came back and I had to get off the bike at one point because I was, you think it's not very hilly, but no, when you're going down, it's not Broadway, but you're going down Boulevard all the way down. I mean, there is some up and down and I'm like, what in the hell? You know, you don't think about it when you're driving. You just push your little foot on the pedal and doop, doop, doop. But when you're trying to, you know, get your ass up that hill and the bike, and I'm like, oh, my God. That's one thing about biking is you learn where all the hills are now that you took for granted. Yeah. I liked it better before. <laughs> when I have to work so hard. I really like to sweat. I'm on that bike in my living room on my trainer for like 10 minutes, and it is like pouring out of me. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't even – I don't even get this your hair is like all gross your scalp is just nothing but wet mush it's disgusting (sighs) welcome to physical fitness i know but that's not my favorite (laughs) no but that's one of the reasons i want to do it one to raise money for cancer research and two i knew that when it gets hard like that that's what i have to think about look at all these cancer patients you know it gets hard for them and so i'm writing you've probably seen just Mm -hmm. all kinds of craziness we don't see a lot of the patients themselves because when we go in to educate the offices, we're in a break room and a lot of them, we don't go in the front door, we'll go in the back door, or the side door. And, you know, the pharmaceutical industry has gotten a really bad rap about, you know, doing things for the doctors. A few years ago, we have pharma code and guidelines and I used to give out fun little pens like, you know, when Viagra came out, it was like, oh, when it would open up, nice. it was great. Um, and so we give Kleenex boxes or paper plates and napkins with our drug name on it. Um, one of my favorite things, we get stickers. And whenever I would, I was selling a drug called Resolin for diabetes. When your hemoglobin A1C is higher than 7, that's when you need to think about being placed on a medication. So I would take in cans of 7-Up and put my drug sticker on there and say, Hey, doctor. When your patient's hemoglobin A1C is more than se- is seven or up, make sure you use my drug. You know, just kind of look, little gimmick things. And, uh, but they took all that away. There's no stickers, no pens, no paper, no plates. Um, they no th- money? N- well, n- they thought it was a way that we were enticing physicians to use our products. Now that's, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, yeah. Because it's everybody's, you know, are saying it. Everybody, you know, mm-hmm. they're all, you already know what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say, does the doctors, do you guys give doctors kickbacks? You you don't Mm-mm. obviously have to answer, but no. it's like they all say the same thing because the doctors are, but I've learned more about doctors since I've gotten more into mm-hmm. into this health realm. 
they're not, as far as I can tell, they're not there to cure you. They are there to treat whatever symptoms you have. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, the pharmaceutical company, they're at their, I mean, they're both, they're kind of a team deal. They're there to provide relief or to treat uh, whatever ailments you might have, Mm -hmm. not necessarily cure them. So what, what, what is the, what is the deal with pharmacy, pharmacies and uh, the pharmaceutical companies and the relationship with them and the doctors? Well, obviously it's strong. Let's put it that way because the physicians need us to help their patients live longer, period, hands down. That's one of the most important things. Um, it typically takes about 15 years from the conceptualization of a drug before it actually gets to market which costs a fortune. I remember when I was at Pfizer, they would spend about a million dollars a day on research. And they might have 30 drugs they're researching. None of them may actually get to get approval and have an indication because they're looking at obviously safety, efficacy, side effects. So when a physician looks at a drug, they're gonna say, oh, number one, does it work? It works, okay. What's the patient population I need to use it in? Okay, do I have that patient population? Okay. can my patients afford it? Because I can talk about how great a drug is, but if I give a prescription to a patient and they take it and it's $400, they're not gonna get it. Therefore, their treatments are not gonna be, you know, their ailments, as you said, are not gonna be helped. So it's a really important um, relationship that we have. We don't pay the doctors to write our drug. I mean, that's illegal. You can't do that. Um, I think that there used to be activities like golfing and different things that you could take them to do. But when those pharma guidelines came in, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago it's been, probably 10, they cut out all of that because of the way the impression that it gives, you know, right. patients and they see that and they're like, oh my gosh, well, that's why my drugs are so expensive. It's because these drug companies are trying to buy the doctors. That's not the case. Hmm. So we used to n- never see any advertising for drugs. Mm-hmm. You didn't like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like, that's all, of, I mean, depending on the time of day, they're not right. advertising all those drugs necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, it's strategic in how they do their advertising and some of the advertising's mm-hmm. pretty funny and pretty pretty uh, creative. Yeah. But tell me about what you know about that. Do you know anything about why it, it sure. recently started with advertising? You know, I think they've slacked off a little bit during COVID. Um, back in the day when I started late 1990s and all the way up through probably the last, you know, five or six years, it's been a really good marketing ploy because if a patient is seeing a patient like them on TV experiencing the same stuff, and then they would go into the doctor and say, oh, I saw this commercial and it said a chance to live longer. This was the drug for lung cancer. Can you put me on that? And so it's a good preemptive. A lot of our physicians didn't like that because they kind of already have an idea of a treatment plan of what they want to use. So when the patient comes in and says, oh, I saw this on TV, but that happens everywhere. Everybody is on TV. Everybody markets, whether it's Gillette Razor Mm -hmm. or whether it's, you know, Coke or Dr. Pepper or cars. I mean, marketing is a part of sales. It's just what you do. So, no, I I definitely think that relationship is very, very important. What was your other question? What else oh, did you man. say? Something about the pharmaceutical company. Um, and do we pay the doctors? No. I mean, some of them are speakers for us. 
and they might provide some kind of an educational in-service. And at that point, if you know they're contracted with us and they're giving, but the FDA regulates all of that very closely. You're not just going to go in and say, oh, Michelle's drug is by far the best and this is the way you got to use it. Mm-mm. It has to be fair balance. So when we submit the slides to the FDA, they have to approve it before it's even presented to the speakers on our speakers bureau. And so you have to have fair balance with everything that you do. Yeah, so it's very good. So like, for example, you know, there's drugs for like Alzheimer's. You know, that's pretty prevalent out there. There's no cure for Alzheimer's, but there is a slower rate of progression. So when I used to sell that drug, I would talk about, it's like patients jumping out of an airplane. Eventually, you know, they're, you know where they're going to land. But if you want to put a parachute on them, that's what the drug is because it's going to have a slower rate of progression. If they didn't take it, it would just go straight down. So it's kind of like Rogaine, right? Yeah. Whatever, that just like slows everything down. Mm, yeah. What I, I hear. I don't know. I don't know much about Rogaine. But obviously, <laughs> you're not using it because you don't have any hair. You got that right. Exactly. Because <laughs> you like it to be bald. Yeah. So, no, I, I love what I do. I think it's one of the best jobs I've ever had, and I've done it for I think you're the only years. person I know that, that does that job. Really? Yep. I love it. No, I really do. It's fun. You get to, you know, hear great stories and people that are having really, really no success and specifically with hepatocellular which is liver cancer a lot of times when you get like lung cancer it's going to move to your liver or to your adrenal glands or your you know brain or your bone those are the four areas like if you get a primary in the lung Mm -hmm. but you don't hear very many patients that get primary in the liver and so you know a cirrhosis drinking a lot it's just it can progress and turn into cancer so it's called hepatocellular carcinoma. And um, typically the drug that's indicated first line, they're on it a short time. They have so much diarrhea, nausea, and they just can't handle it. And our drug was indicated second line. And there's a chance, a chance for a complete response with it. And one of my physicians in Oklahoma City who treats the majority of the hepatocellular in the state he was like, Michelle, I, I'd never met him. He comes back and shakes my hand, and I'm like, oh, hi, Dr. Da, 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 how are you? And he was like, oh, I'm great. And he said, uh, you know, I've had a patient on your drug for eight months, and after the second month, they had a complete response. We did a scan. We don't see any tumors at all in the, in the liver now. And I was like, really? I go, you know, in our clinical trial, we actually had about 4% of the patients that had that. But it's, you just don't know because you never hear those stories. So to have it happen in Oklahoma, I'm like, hallelujah, with my biggest guy. And I'm like, that's great because now he's a believer. So he said whenever he sees a new hepatocellular patient, he tells them that story to give them hope. And that's what I think a lot of the patients are looking for. They just need someone to give them some hope, to make them keep pushing through just to see because you don't know how your body's going to react. Yeah, that's a big deal. Just it's have huge. a chance. Yep, which is the name of our commercials, A Chance to Live Longer. And Mm. that's what you see on the side of the skyscraper building in the commercial. Mm. It's just a chance, but it might be your chance. So if you don't try it, well, crap, you're never going to know. So when I have older patients like my parents' friends will say, do you think I should try that? And I go, well, if you don't, you'll never know. Mm. Because if you don't, then we know what's going to happen. But if you don't try... You know, you just don't know until you do it. So I'm a big advocate of drugs. Listen, you got something going on. Yes, try to take care of it yourself. But if you you can't, 
But I'm like, yeah, but I don't have samples anymore. I'm not running to, you know, my storage unit because we don't sample cancer drugs. They're too expensive. Yeah. Everything's pretty much uh, IV. There are some oral cancer drugs too, but the companies that I've worked for, we don't sample them. You know what my doctor told me once? What? He said if all his patients ate right and exercised. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have any. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Because I know that. Duh. I'm not ding dong. Mm-hmm. So why isn't that pushed any more, do you think? Why is, I, I hear I've got why a Why am I not 40 pounds lighter? A friend of mine is a nurse, and she told me one of our friends died, and he because he had type two diabetes. Okay. And he got COVID, and she was she went and stayed with him for a while. He came and stayed with her for a while, and she was calling me, going, "He's doing all these things that just propagate his diseases. Eating horribly, yeah. Drinking crazy, mm-hmm. just jamming yeah. insulin in yeah. him, and I'm like." Why didn't his doctor say stop all this nonsense? E, you know, eat, eat some different food, eat the right foods, yeah, and stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, they can't because it's interfering with his lifestyle." Hmm. And I'm like, "I didn't." What's didn't his lifestyle? S H I D. I mean, that's Wha- that's what he was he was doing everything that he shouldn't done. If 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 we mm-hmm. could have got him to go, okay, stop this this and this and start doing this this and this Mm -hmm. he would still be here Mm -hmm. it was five years ago she's like doctor's not going to say that you know what you'll be surprised Uh, you know a lot of times I think patients have given up and even though they may be inside the clinic getting their infusion for their lung cancer when they take a break they come outside and they smoke and then they go back in and then they get there because they're like F it you know what it's probably not going to be good news anyway or at least, you know, where it was four or five years ago, it's so much better now. Patients are living longer, and they are getting really good medicine and great results. I've got, I, I believe in a lot of the drugs. I mean, I believe that what what the doctors do is working mm-hmm. as far as treating the symptoms. Yeah. I just think so much more can be done. All these can, half of it can be avoided. More than half of it can be avoided. It's all... It's hard, though. And you get into a rut, and even you get lazy. You just get complacent and it takes energy. I mean, hell, do you think I would be on a bike doing whatever mileage I did if I hadn't signed myself up or, you know, filled out the application and applied and got accepted to do this bike ride? There's no way I would have ridden 24 miles the other day like I did. But because I made a commitment and I don't want to look like a dumbass on this ride with these other 19 people. And they're like, Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. Oh, she's way in the back back there because she can't get her ass up the hill. I don't want to look stupid. So, so part of this is you want to get wanna, in shape. I want to get in shape. Yeah. And I want to raise money for cancer research and trying to figure out what kind of a soiree I want to have at my house or something and charging everybody a hundred bucks to come. I know you're like, oh my God, that's a lot. And it is a lot, but it's all tax deductible. It's just like if you were to tithe, mm-hmm. it's going to be coming right back that's to you. Profit, yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably have like maybe I was to get Ted's or somebody. So are you going to do a lifestyle change? Or is this just going to be a one-off? Because you know, I know that if you want to look like a certain person, yeah, you've yeah. got to do what that do person it. does. If you want to look like an Olympic sprinter, you better got to do what Olympic sprinters do. I know, I know. I'm going to find out. Now you know what happened to me and my liver. What I told you, right? I can't remember. I probably told you. I'm sure I did. 
Well, my liver, like I went to the doctor. I was sleepy all the time. I went to the doctor and... Uh, was it full of sludge or something? And No. Okay, keep talking. Um, I went and just had my physical like I normally do. And he calls me, calls my cell phone from his phone. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. He's like, did you go partying last night? And I'm like, no. He's like, get up here and take another blood test. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what, what's going on? He's like, well, your, your liver enzymes are abnormally high, like through the roof high. He okay. didn't say that. I got my results in the mail, and I was like, supposed to be 13 and 17, and mine are like 450 and 550. Oh, yeah. And so I did another test, and he called me back, and he's like, man, this is nuts. Your liver, and, and I was like, that's why I'm sleepy all the time. And he's like, come back and do another one. I did another one. And so he's just like, you know, send me to a GI. And this is like a, a month goes by and a month goes by. I go to a GI doctor, start doing a lot of tests. You know, I do a, where they look at it. Like, when a woman's like an pregnant, ultrasound. ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And then they did a biopsy. Went in there, took a chunk out to see if it was fatty liver. Yeah. Couldn't figure it out. Because my liver was just shutting down. It was jumping inside my body. I could feel it at night. So jumping around weird. inside my body. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. And he was like, and, and I was immediately, I'm going cancer. My yeah. dad died of cancer. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to die of cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's you know, it. Right away. That's all she wrote. It's and over. So, um, I'm still waiting for my GI doctor. He's like, I'll just give you this. Uh, it's going to shut. Your immune system was attacking your liver for some reason. Is what they, the conclusion they had. So, uh, he's like, put me on this drug for whatever and he's like you're gonna have to take this you know perpetuation and i'm like i started taking it and then i started going off of one of the drugs it was a steroid and kind of wean wean you off mm-hmm. and man when i the moment i stopped taking that i felt like death part three really i mean i was just like i i've realized i'm like i'm not gonna i'm gonna die i'd rather die than feel like this that's how bad i felt jeez it was horrible and so I just stopped taking it and, you know, that had worked and then it started coming back and he's like, you got to eat a lot of food when you take this, you know, because it's going to make you sick or whatever. It was prednisone and then whatever drug was mm-hmm. that shut down your immune system. And, and then, um, my brother sent me an email. I think it was in October. I still have the email. It says the top 10 things that kill your liver. And you know what the number one thing was? Hmm. Sugar. Hmm. Number one thing that kills your liver, which is like, you know, alcohol. Right. You know, yeah. Whatever. I don't drink, big drinker, but you know what I had for, you know what I was eating most of the time? What? Ice cream sandwiches, Captain Crunch. You ate like, I don't even think you would even eat like that. Mm. I guess you changed your ways. Well, I thought I could eat like that because I worked out all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh. And so... I stopped all that. I mean, I'd literally eat like four or five in the morning. Yeah. And then I'd have waffles with peanut butter and syrup. Peanut butter full of sugar, syrup full of sugar, waffles full of sugar. And then I'd have sweet tea and I'd have my normal whatever lunch with, you know, a couple of McFlurries or whatever. I'm just guzzling sugar. And so I stop. And I go to salmon to squash. Okay. Salmon and squash with olive oil. And salmon with zucchini and all, that's all I ate. Okay. Because I was like, I'm going to either fix this now or I'm going to die. Exactly. And so um, that was, 
within a couple of weeks, I went in and took another blood test and it had like come down like 400, 300 and something points. Wow. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. And then, you know, several months go by, so I come back in another, whatever, six months, do another blood test. If you, if you start feeling bad again, yeah, come back. So I went back and it was like just, it's like 30 and 40, you wow. know. Wow. And so I was like, Yeesh. And they never, my doctor or my GI doctor, never ever said, hey, Kurt, what are you eating? Yeah. Isn't that I weird? I could see the look in your face like. Yeah. Like, why would you think that come up? Like, what are you doing? Ne- What's your I mean, lifestyle? Nine months went by. Not one time did they say, Kurt, what are you eating? That sucks. That's sad. What do I eat? I open my mouth like this and I just pour a bag of sugar down my throat. Oh, That's what I eat. And they would have said. Yeah. Hopefully hey, they would have stop said. Stop doing that. Yeah. How about eating food? So when you got these results and they were so much better. I'm going to show them to you when we leave here. I'm sure I still have them. Okay. And then did they say, holy crap, it's resolved. Or did you well, tell yeah, them what you been doing it? it? I went right. back to the doctor and I said, well, my numbers, you know what I did? I had to ask them, do you know what I did? And they probably and said, like, no. no. I said, I stopped eating five pounds of sugar a day. And they were just kind of shrugging their shoulders. Well, hello, if other patients come in and have the same kind of issue, it would be great for them to share your information with them and say, maybe this is all it is. You know, it is interesting. One of my girlfriends, um, she had gone in and her liver enzymes were like in the 400. And I'm like, holy shit. So they sent her to a hepatologist liver specialist she had some more tests done and then she said she stopped drinking as much and they just came like way back down Mm -hmm. so it does kind of depend on when you get your test ran just like if you're going to get your blood work done you know they always say do it fasting to have the most Mm -hmm. accurate results and if you've eaten breakfast and you do it it's going to screw your test up so I did it both ways I did it every way you did now my son I'm going to tell you this one my son had ulcerative colitis oh yeah and so we go to the doctor, the top GI doctor in Oklahoma. Okay. He's at Baptist. Yep. We Who's go up Newman? there. I don't, I don't remember his name. He There's looked like a, he looked like a guy from the Chappelle show. The doctor Does, from the Chappelle show. I don't know this who is that what is. he looked like. Is it like bow tie, Doogie Hauser kind of looking? No. Okay. No, he, Wrong guy. He, okay. People that watch the show will know. Okay. Number one guy. So we walk in his, in his waiting area and it's big. It's like 3,000 feet. Okay. And it's full of people. Okay. Full of people. And so he's a GI doctor, and my son goes in there, and he's like, well, you know, we're going to prescribe you Humira. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. Rubber stamp, you already know. Yep. They're going to get Humira. He's going to give himself a shot. He's going to take this for the rest of his life. Shut down his immune system. That way his class mm-hmm. will go away. And kind of calm the immune system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> uh, well, I guess it, it doesn't go 100%, but it just like it yeah. kind of shuts it off a little bit. But and my son, of course, did it. And I'm like, well, we're, we're in the office and we're talking. I'm like, well, what what does diet have anything to do with it? Since, you know, his immune system is attacking his. Oh, for sure it cold. does. He said no. Oh, he rolled his eyes at me. <gasps> Shut your he face. He just looked at me like I was a pile of dookie. Oh, my gosh. I mean. I want to use some other words, but I'm not going to. Okay. But I was just like, I, I, I knew right there. I was like, this guy. And that is not. The sad part is he had a hundred people out there that were going to go right to him. Yeah. And he's going to say the same thing. Yeah. Take Humira. Take Humira. And Humira's $2,500 a shot mm-hmm. twice a month. Mm. And my son, I sat with my son and said, change your diet. You're going to start eating. 
you got to get your gut biome right. Mm-hmm. That's going to solve all this problem. Mm-hmm. And you need to fast for a day or two. Yeah. Start eating good. Yeah. Fast forward three years, he's not on that shot anymore. Obviously, right. he only took it for a few months, and he's like, oh, "I'm done, done with this." Because feeling better. Yeah. No. No. No symptoms. Because no, no. a lot of people with ulcerative colitis, they are like in the bathroom a lot. They yeah. are tired a lot because they're so depleted from all of their nourishments. It's going straight through them. They don't even want to eat. That's why they get usually pretty thin. Because it's biome. painful. It's a gut biome deal. Yeah. You got to eat the right foods. You got to eat less inflammatory foods. Mm-hmm. And eat some meat and some asparagus and some a little carrots and some sweet potatoes and some broccoli and some other mm-hmm. things, fish, mm-hmm. you know, to get your gut biome all in order. Yeah. Probably not as much red meat kind of stuff. Well, you know, he eats a lot of red meat. He and does. I eat a ton of red meat. But mm-hmm. I don't, I eat very... You know, it's good for your iron levels. Good for my iron levels, but mm-hmm. you know, it's my body's not inflamed anymore. That's why I don't have any problems. My son doesn't have any more problems. It's like well, and you do go to bed at like you know dinner time every night, so you're getting all your beauty drink, sleep. I drink, you know, whenever my friends go out, I'll have one drink. Like yeah, that time yeah. we went out, I had one. It's sure. just like I don't, you know, I'm not yeah. susceptible my body to to all this insanity. Yeah, if I have two or three drinks, sometimes it wakes me up in the middle of the night. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you give all that to your body and your body likes it and you feel happy and then you go to sleep and then it starts waking you up again going, mm-hmm. hey, can I have some more of that again? I want to feel good again. And you're like, no, damn it, I'm trying to go to sleep. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's just like, I feel sorry, like your friend, like a lot of people. Yeah. If they don't know to try to self figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. they're just going to go get a rubber stamp and think, you know, their life has changed from then on. Which, no. which that drug works. I mean, yeah. If you don't, I mean, if, if you're not going to make lifestyle changes. Yeah, if you're not going to make a lifestyle change, go get that, that drug because that, that damn thing will work for sure. There was an orthopedic surgeon who started, uh, he's really into plant-based medicine, and they have a group here in Oklahoma City. They meet on Sunday nights for dinner, a plant-based dinner. And then he gets up and tells a story, you know, like every time you do it. I've been a couple of different times. And then he had an all-day course on a Saturday from like 8 to 4 learning about mm-hmm. plant-based everything. And even if you're not used to it, it seems like a lot. Like it's a big change in your pantry, a big change in your refrigerator, a big change in your mindset. And I could never wrap my head all the way around that. But he supposedly was about to go in the very next week for open heart surgery because his widow maker was about like 95% blocked and occluded. And, you know, when that happens, when it hits that particular one, that's usually when people just die. Mm-hmm. You know, the other arteries, you're okay. They'll go in and stent them. But in this one, they obviously had a stent too. But he got a phone call from another physician who said, this is what you need to do. You're going to be fine. Do this. And he did. He completely went to plant-based. And he went in and had all the calcium checks and scores. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and it went back down like by 50%. Or like, I don't, it was something outrageous just because he had changed his diet. And he went to plant-based. Yeah. So you feed your body what it needs. I wish we could just almost like whenever we're born, it could spit out. Like this is the best nutrients for, for Michelle. Yeah. You know, you see all those books about like what to eat for your blood type or mm-hmm. what, you know, what to eat for your hair color for God's sakes. It's like <laughs> everywhere. I mean, shit, how do you know what to eat? And I there's need to so, that. yeah, you do. Exactly. Baldy. They have so much conflicting information out there that you'd, uh, the regular you've person, you're out, just you've got to do screwed. like a trial and error on yourself. Mm-hmm. What you feel good at, we know. Get the sugar out of your system. We know. Get the junk food out. Yeah, and just figure out 
how you know plant to meat ratios work best for you mm-hmm. i try to do you know a little bit of both just so my gut biome stays it stays balanced mm-hmm. but yeah some people can make it fly on that you know uh i know the studies that uh some of the guys on joe rogan's podcast uh said that yeah when you when you combine red meat with sugar that's when red meat gets really bad for you because it um i'm i say because i don't know What's why sugar that you combine red meat with like a sweet potato and you put brown sugar on it i guess and eat it together no, you go to mcdonald's you go to brahms i mean there's lines out the door at every one at lunchtime you eat a burger and you eat french fries and you eat a coke or a root beer true and you get a mcflurry mm-hmm. and you get home that night and you eat a piece of pie with dinner mm-hmm. with a steak yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You just don't think about it. No. Because I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not going to have a bowl of M&Ms and a steak right next to it. And there's guys that have been on a carnivore for 20 years and they're, all their markers are fine. Huh. It's it's that combination of food with non-food. Right. Yeah. Which is, man, it's, that's one of the toughest things I've had to do is, is lower my carbs. Yeah. You know, my some guys can do like no carb. Ugh, and not me. That's that's tough. It's tough for me. I, I mean, I did no carb when I, when my liver went down, mm-hmm. when I found out about the sugar because I, I thought I was gonna die, and I lost thirty pounds in thirty days. So the no carb thing works, but I was sick for a couple of weeks because of what is it, a keto flu. Mm-hmm. Trying to get it all out of your system. But now it's just like I eat a good meal, like a sweet potato with butter, and some fish or some steak or yeah. some chicken and man i'm jumping up and down looking around the house thank god i didn't buy a bunch of junk because i'm just like a crack whore looking around for some carbs god and what I about just, your daughter do you let her have sugar yeah yeah we 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 eat we eat, you know normal but you know 80 80 percent of the time 85 percent probably um i'm staying you know meat and greens meat mm-hmm. and greens i got what do you do for breakfast? Spinach. I've been hard boiling some eggs lately. Eggs and <gasps> sausage. Putting, eggs and beef. I've been putting peanut butter on my eggs before I went on a bike ride. Is that probably bad for me? No. Peanut butter has a lot of sugar unless you get natural peanut butter. I have natural peanut butter, but I haven't been using that. I've been using up some Peter Pan or a Peter Pan has whatever. lots of sugar. Crunchy. And it has like a couple of the packets of sugar that you would get in each teaspoon. Oh, shit. That's how much peanut butter. Yeah. I didn't I know that either. I love peanut butter. And I because just it has sugar. <laughs> I no wonder I love it. It tastes so good. But no, I got a hard boiled egg and I just smeared it all over it and it was all over my fingers. But I ate two of those before I went on my ride and I did really well and I was like, it was the eggs and peanut butter. I've got to do that every time before a big ride. They say bananas, but bananas spike your insulin. Yeah, when I finished the ride, I had a banana because uh, I felt a little you know tired mm-hmm. and so i did that and then i had a protein shake afterwards too but um this just all in moderation yeah if you, you know i eat clean i've got such a sweet tooth that i eat clean try to eat clean most of the time so on the weekends and my life group's watching this now going yeah because he's got a sweet tooth Aww. i'll eat a big piece of chocolate super big daddy cake they've got at firebirds oh and they got just all this stuff and i'm just like i get after it because mm-hmm. i know come monday I'm I'm not eating Big Daddy chocolate cake. Right. I'm eating meat and greens. Yeah. And I usually scrambled eggs with cheese. I'm a lot of the mm. keto s- stuff, mm-hmm. you know. I eat bacon, lots of bacon. I like no bacon. No sugar. 
I like bacon. bacon. I like bacon. But the thing is with the uh, with the the cravings, you got to eat more fat with your meal with the protein. Mm-hmm. If you get more fat, more salt, like bacon, you won't have that big of a of a craving afterwards. Like oh, I need some, you know, apple pie with ice yeah. cream or some crazy. God, the, so. the holidays are the worst. Thanksgiving, yeah. all the pies and all the food and. Christmas. Right after Halloween, it's I know, just like it just, there's candy but everywhere. But you know, food just makes you feel so good. Yeah. It just. That's why it's so hard. That's oh, why it's so hard. Oh, and it so hits, hard. and you know what markers yeah. it hits in your brain. It hits all the good. I feel good. I love you. I want you. Oh, you want some more? Listen, my favorite thing to crawl in bed with, forget about a man, give me some Cheez-Its. Me Cheez-Its. and my Cheez-Its in bed, that puts me almost into like a carb coma <laughs> and I'll take a little bit of my nighttime medicine and I'm like, oh my God, it's like the perfect orgasm right there. I will wake up some mornings and just be like, I have crumbs all over my chest. <laughs> Holy shit. And then I'll have like a box of cheese that's open next to me like, oh yeah, I forgot I had cheese it's last night. Now that's okay every now and again. I know, but I the had to, problem I is, couldn't buy them yeah. because I, and it's not like I'm really hungry at nine o'clock at night, but I'll go in and see if I've DVD'd something, mm-hmm. DVR'd it. I wanted to watch it. DVD. Oh my God. DVR. Or I'm just bored and I'm, and I'm like, I'm not even hungry. So I need to just get my ass in there and get a bottle of water and just chug that and be like, oh, now I'm full. I don't even want anything to snack on. What I've realized over the last actually couple of weeks is when I eat my dinner, I've got to get a bottle of water, start drinking it and then do something. Uh, that keeps me my busy. brain busy mm-hmm. for about 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Once I get past that kind of time for dessert. Yeah. Literally the craving goes away. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Like, if you can just refocus. Just go, um, I'll go hit the bag. I'll go out in the garage and just start working the bag for a while and then listening to music. And then before you know it, I'm like, okay, you know, it's like my, my little crack, you know, whatever it's called crack addiction just like leaves mm-hmm. and it's like okay I'm, i can i can go down and watch tv now because if i sit in front of the tv i'm like a crack baby running around the house looking for chips and you know what that is it. it's that tv thing because if i'm just in my room i probably would just say oh i'm hungry it's just it's a habit it's a mm-hmm. bad habit to sit to grab a chip or to grab a cracker or to grab a cheese it some kind of something now that sugar that cracker you know that flour yeah fine flour that's what it hits your brain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's the same place that cocaine mm. or heroin hits it too. Hits the same marker hmm. of whatever it is, euphoria. And so that's that's what that's why it's so hard to quit. Mm-hmm. That's why if you go to Sonic, look at you know their menu, and then you look at the other side of the menu, and the whole thing is sugar, mm-hmm. a whole dessert menu, yeah. and it's a big. Thing it is big. Like, I never go to Sonic. I'm never going to Sonic again. It's just yeah. how can they prey on people like that, offering so much horrible things for you? I know. I liked it there for a while where Brahms used they were offering like low carb ice cream. It didn't taste near as sweet or sugary as the regular, but is that maybe that was a fad? Because I haven't heard anybody talking about low carb ice cream probably since they did that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Huh. I've never, I never heard of that. Yeah, you can go to Brahms and say I want. You want a, a scoop of vanilla? Just say I want your low carb that's, vanilla. That's just. That's and I'm like, how did they remanufacture that to make it what it is? What's exactly, in it there's now? something going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't want. It's, I'd rather just eat 
just clean and then gorge. Just eat your hot fudge sundae and love it. Yep. I love and the then chocolate and the nuts. Brutalize and myself for, nut for next week and not eat any sugar and then yeah. tear it up on Then you get sick. Like if you eat that much sugar at one time and you're not really yeah. used to it, do you get like bleh? The thing is your body has all that time through during the week to regenerate all mm -hmm. of the things that are going on. The liver, the True. pancreas, the mm -hmm. kidneys, the stomach, the intestines. It's all getting ramped up, ready to ready to get that, mm -hmm. that, that big daddy chocolate cake on right. Saturday night. Yeah. So when you hit it, you know, it's just like you're ready. You've recovered and you're ready to go again. It's like, you know, the football players take off Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to play on Sunday. Yeah. They yeah. don't practice on Friday and Saturday. Right. Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to perform. Yeah. Same thing. I get that. That's why intermittent fasting works really well, too. Oh, I did that for a while, too. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm done with that now. And I like to try things. And I'm like, eh, I'm not really sure. And I'll try something again. And I'm like, oh, That's shit. so good for you, though. I know. It, it is supposed to be really things. good. Remember when we went and ate at Louis? Was yeah, it, no, Mexican. Or, yeah, yeah. Rojas, and you're like, you know, da 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 And mm -hmm. I, was, I don't remember what I was saying. I was like, what's in your cabinet? I think yeah. that's what I said. Right. And But there's so many good things. If you can either delay your breakfast or eat dinner mm -hmm. earlier and let your body just mm -hmm. regenerate everything and get ramped up and get you're right no all the research is 100 percent exactly what you're saying just give your body time to heal it's called like um you know feasting mm -hmm. a few hours or just even start out with i think when i first started out i was doing like an eight hour feasting window and then do you know the rest of the time in the day fasting and then you're right. It totally does. I think my favorite time to do that was maybe like a five or six hour window. I would try yeah. to eat at 11 and then eat again at five and then be done. Oh, wow. That's that's really good. If you could do seven or eight hours, mm -hmm. that's, that's, I mean, it's not optimal, but it's really good. If you're on a consistent basis, if you can do eight hours, right. eight and 16, uh -huh. that's, man, that's, that's freaking awesome because you got 16 hours for your body. To just to really... Yeah, there's a lot of books out there too. Mm -hmm. uh, what's his name? Jung or something? In the '60s, he he uh, he did that, the autophagy. I don't know what that is. When when you get into like 20 and 22, 24 hours of fasting, mm -hmm. your body starts the cells, the good cells start eating, looking for and finding the bad cells and eating them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like that and whole regeneration mm -hmm. process. That can happen, you but it can happen. That. The more we're feeding our body, don't yeah. eat. Yeah. That's why women outlive men, because women don't eat as much as men. Oh, or maybe it's because we go to the doctor a hell of a lot more than you, you all do, because right. typically you don't go to the doctor until something's really, really wrong. You got that right. I know, because you're a bunch of freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of relationships, yeah, get back on that subject. Yeah. What's going on with, uh, with women these days? Tell you me. You know, oh God, I think that women in general are like, you know what? These men kind of piss us off sometimes, and... Do we need them? Yeah, we need them for some stuff, but some stuff we just don't. And is, you know, it worth it? Is it worth getting into a full-blown, full-on relationship? Or can we just kind of get our needs met with them? Whether it's, you know, all those five love languages that we talked about. You know about those, right? Surely. Five languages? The five yeah, love course. languages. That's one of the first questions I ask. I'm like, have you taken the five love languages? And they're like, nope. Okay, well, it's free. It's a little quiz on there in 10 minutes you'll know your answer because you kind of want to know you know what your love languages are but what my love languages 
what I like to receive is not always that they're not the same as giving because I like to give little gifts or notes or let you know I'm thinking about you or just things like that um but no love language for me physical touch words of affirmation just in case you want to know but I think that women are looking for you know communication a partner someone who has something like-minded ideas of how they want to spend their free time and you know what I've just realized is that Jill you know our friend Mm -hmm. probably a few years ago she said I do not want to date any guy that has kids because he's always he's got his job then he's got responsibility for the kids and then I feel like kids at home sorry kids at home yeah um so like under 18 Mm -hmm. I think she was, you know, she liked somebody for a while and he was a coach or something, but he's coaching, you know, I don't know, high school or junior high or whatever level, maybe it was college, I'm not even sure. You're doing that for so long and then you don't have very much time, you know, to date her. And I thought, because I always had kids until just this last year when Joshua went to college. And I thought, I get it now. I mean, all the years I've been single, the kids were five and seven when I got a divorce and different men that I would date, they never had an issue whenever I had my boys they were like well I know you're a good mom you want to spend your time with them that's fine it was never like a a struggle or anything Mm -hmm. but now that I'm you know dating um since I've just gone through my second divorce oh god divorce of shame um (laughs) you know it is kind of nice to date someone who's probably their kids are not home but I haven't found that to be an opportunity all these kids that are 18 please listen (laughs) get out (laughs) go to school and then when you come home then go back to school and then if you're (laughs) done with school then go to your apartment yeah (laughs) you know I always want my boys around I miss them and it was not until you know I got a divorce uh, and the the kids went to school in August he had moved out um, you know a few months a couple months before that and being in COVID alone there was so much stuff on social media where people were like, how are you dating? You're not meeting people. People aren't getting out. So I'm thankful that the world is opening back up again mm-hmm. and people are getting out there and making new connections. It wasn't here, though, in Oklahoma. Like, you know, like other states. Some other states like New York or California mm. where you couldn't leave the house without a mask. And right. Their restaurants were closed. We could still get out. I mean, early on, it was kind of a shutdown, but that yeah. was only just for a couple of months, and then it kind of, stuff started reopening again. Yeah, but so. I still don't think there's the comfort level of, you know, I didn't get to see my family at Thanksgiving or at Christmas. We decided not to do that. We didn't want to risk, you know, my parents getting anything, but it's definitely much safer since the vaccination's yeah. been, or the um, people are vaccinated now, or at least, you know, I guess according to the news today, less than 50% of Oklahomans were in the, there's nine states that have less than 50% of the mm-hmm. population vaccinated in Oklahoma Falls within that group according to today on the news. So I thought that was kind of an interesting era, but I don't know. You're single too. What do you think about the women that are out there? I, I like meeting people in our little divorced group. Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed getting to know the women and, uh, I've met a couple of new guy friends. Really? You have? Yeah. Just from, uh, well, I mean like one or two of them have joined my life group from do 40 oh yeah and the so, one you're talking about too that's yeah. who's taking me bike riding yep you know we i met him at a group and he had said he was bike riding and i was like oh oh okay in the back of my mind if i get this bike riding gig i don't know anything about biking and so when i got it i reached out to him and said hey noah would you be willing to you know could we meet and and i brought my notebook and he was like god you were so serious and i was like okay so what's the best kind <laughs> of you know 
pants to get for women. And he was like, um, I just get mine on Amazon. That might be you need to ask a female. And then, but, you know, I need this helmet and I need gloves and I need shoes and clips and pedals and blah, 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 blah. And so just walking through all of that with somebody who had done it. But again, great friend, gone biking probably four or five times. And even before I got my bike from my company to start training, he lent me a second bike of his. And he would bring both bikes. We'd go to Lake Hefner. We'd ride around a few times. It was great. You need to let me know whenever you ride Hefner. I just, I might go ride. I'm just up the street. I know. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know. But yeah, it's a it's a good. It's so is he, you're making friendships yeah, with guys. Yeah. It's gonna it takes a little longer. Um, to, you know, you want to get to know people. Yeah. And so if you're only doing something every now and then, right. but there's some sometimes you connect with someone like like you. Yeah. Me connected and within you know a right. short amount of time you're doing stuff together. And yeah. Some trust builds and you realize okay they're not yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. Completely crazy. Let's hang out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, but the guys, um, I went to the DO40 thing, one of the events, and I was just thinking, man, I look like any of these guys that are here. Meaning what? Like they're all just, I mean, all there was only like five. Yeah. There was like 40 women. Did you go to the recent one? Uh, uh, Chicken Pickle or? N- n- I went to the that Edmund one. The Edmund Railroad. Fused, yeah, the railroad was the last one. But okay, I didn't it was go to one before one that. Yeah. And I just remember going, I don't know if I'm have no competition or if I have all competition because I couldn't. I mean, this is like well, a couple of big corn fed looking dudes that uh, looked older than me. That is the thing. There's like one guy to 10 women yeah. that are out there that are looking for that connection to make friendships. Because something that I've realized is that I really didn't, I, I don't even know why I joined the group. I just was like, sure, I'm going to do it. But then we've had like girls brunch just the girls in February over mm-hmm. Valentine's Day and I got to know 10 of the women we sat there for like three hours just talking getting to know each other and that is where I felt like we made like the best connection mm-hmm. and then I had a group of the girls over to my house and it was just all girls for a swim party yeah I remember that and that was really fun I did not get invited no you're not a girl no no I, I resent those you really just FYI well Oh no! Well, shit. We sh- at this point we should have had the guys too, because all we're getting now is rain, yeah. and we want to have a mixed group. So, we'll see how that happens this weekend. Take that, take that home, and pack it up. Shit! Take that rain away. No kidding. But I think it'll be. Um, I think dating at our age, because I'm 48, and it is harder. You are set in your ways, and you have stuff. That's what's going on in. One of my groups, it's, man, there's, like, we're all, you know, older, obviously. And people are, a lot of them have been burned or, like, you know, I'm just, like, if they see, like, one little thing, they're just, like, (laughs) meh, I'm done with that. Peace out. I'm not interested. No, it's it's the same way. Listen, I dated, gosh, I dated someone. I can't say his name. I dated him for a long time, like, almost three years. And there's just the things. I let kind of I probably stay too long in relationships before I leave and that particular one great guy educated you know pharmacist um my kids actually really really liked him a lot and we had the best time together um but then eventually he we didn't spend very much time together he was working um and then on the weekends he'd want to go hunt or go hang out with his buddy which is fine because he only had like mainly one friend um, but you're right. There's little things start creeping up and, you know, I didn't mind shaving his back, which looked like a bear rug. I mean, it was, 
incredibly hairy. I'd never seen a back like that. But, you know, I shaved it and it was fine. And, and then when, you know, to get more personal, I was like, he had the worst breath in the world. And finally, I was like, I, I just I can't kiss you anymore because it's just so scary. Why didn't he floss his teeth well, and freak in the I, brush? I don't know. I think he did. And so finally, when I went in his bathroom, he actually had like peroxide. He had like a whole mixture of stuff. You know, he's a pharmacist. And he was swishing with that. And I was like, hallelujah, hallelujah, yay, Gosh. because it was so fresh. But then that only lasted like two weeks. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's back to having bad. And he's just like, mm, mm, oh, side kiss, mm, kissing, yeah, mm, oh, it's so good to see you, oh, yeah. And you don't want to get jiggy with it with somebody who has bad breath because you're right in their face. So that just kind of went down, yeah, just wasn't very mm-hmm. good. So, yeah, we are picky be, uh... as women. We are picky. I dated somebody else, and he was a big smacker. Like, whenever he chewed his food, it's like a cow smacking. And I thought, oh my God, I feel like I'm on a Seinfeld episode. I want to slap the shit out of you. <laughs> because you're smacking so much, it's really annoying. Yeah, it's so gross. Oh, my gosh, I have to tell you. So, I was cleaning out my closet yesterday, and I forgot that when I was dating the smacker, um, I thought I was going to write a book. And I wrote stories of motherhood. And I wrote down all these little scenarios of different things that happened with my kids. Like, you know, Dalton was like six, coming out of the pediatrician's office. The elevator door opens. And he goes, whoa, mom, she's big. I was mortified. We get on the elevator. And this woman, who is larger, looks at my son and goes, yes, I am. And I was like, holy shit, can we just get off this elevator any faster? I was you know just so I have all these little stories that have happened with the kids and then stories that have happened with my girlfriends so and then I've had stories that happened in the single life and then stories of motherhood I mean I have all these little sections Mm -hmm. of the stories and I just happened to find this where I'd start writing all of these things that happened and on with the smacker specifically you know we were in this like hot romantic I mean passion he was kissing me all over and I remember he started, you know, at my breasts and went all the way downstairs. And then he got there and I was like, I, I wrote this out. And I was like, and I was holding my hands on both sides of his head, like cramming his face harder and harder downstairs. And then I was like, oh my God, keep going. And he came up and he was like, I can't. And I was like, no, 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 keep going. Because I knew I was going to be getting close. And he was like, no, I can't. I lost my gum. Holy shit. He could not. He, he didn't swallow it. It was stuck down there. Oh and it was awful. So, yes, you know, we have all these wonderful dating stories that I thought, I'm going to put those together in a book. Because even though I have a few stories to share, I've got a lot of girlfriends that I've heard a lot of stories and there's a lot of stuff to put in those chapters. So, any good stories that you want to reveal? Yeah, no. I mean, Here? Um, not, I think I've revealed some okay. and they're, but they're all, that's all my dirt. I didn't dish on anybody else. So, so, no. um, as far as like these dating groups and yeah. women's group and all that, do you think, uh, do most of them want to find the right man and, and eventually get married again? Or are they kind of set like you were talking about? Just, I think it's a mixture. Done, like I half and half or I something. I think it's a mixture. I think that they want someone to spend time with, to go to the movies with, maybe go for a go to the park maybe go on a bike ride something um but i don't know it depends on when you ask somebody what's your end game mm-hmm. you know is it to be married again uh, uh, mine is just to keep being happy like, mm-hmm. i just want to keep being happy because 
when you're not happy, then you're not like your best. You're not your best to your job, Happiness to your comes kids. And goes, though. You, be you know, it does. I think probably more. Con- I was just, just going to say content. I think that's what Pastor Craig always says. Mm-hmm. He was like, "That's where you what you want in your life. You just want to be content." You know, there's going to be some highs, there's going to be some lows, but you want to bring it back to the middle to where you've got that great balance. And I don't want to ever have to make a decision to choose a man over my kids because I would choose my kids. And my sister was here this last week from Arkansas staying with me. And she said, so, you know, you've had opportunities to move to New Jersey with your current company and to move up the chain a little bit and to do something different. Are you going to do it? And I said, you know, Stephanie, I always thought that once my boys graduated from high school, that I was free. But then I realized that, you know, if their dad lives in Maine and this summer, where would my youngest son have gone if I wasn't here? And then I said, and maybe a big part of that is me. Like, I need them. I know that. I'm like, oh, It no, might no. be a little part of it. For a sure. little part. And I think that they still definitely need me, too. Because I said to my youngest son, you know, if I didn't live here... I lived in New Jersey, and Dad was in Maine. What would you do? And he goes, I guess I'd stay with one of the grandparents. Yeah, and how old are they? 19. Yeah, when we were 19? Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. No, and I was like, aren't you glad I live here? And they're like, yeah, it feels like home, Mom. I mean, if you were to move, it'd be weird. And so I thought, well, and and my parents, you know, my uh, stepdad is 85 next month. My mom is going to be 80 this year, and they they still live in Shawnee. And, you know, my sister lives in Arkansas, and that's it. That's kind of all we have. Hmm. So we better, you know, stick around because if she needs something, you know, call my sister four and a half hours away or me. I'm only an hour. So I think I'm going to stay put. Like money's not everything. Yeah, moving somewhere and getting paid more money. It's just not worth it. I was talking to someone today at my little meeting at Stella Nova, and I was like, I got when my kids were like in grade school and middle school and pretty much most of high school is like I, I was self-employed so I got to just I would take him to school yeah and then I'd work a little bit hustle whatever and yeah. I'd go back and pick him up and mm-hmm. we talked about you know that remembering that and it's a good it's a good time to be able to get a lot of time rather than like be gone like you were sometimes mm-hmm. the whole time and it's mm-hmm. like I got to hang out with them and you know spend a lot of time and they just thought it was a normal thing for me to get them all the time so yeah well, and it's that bond, too, you know, that you develop with your kids. I mean, yep. probably some kids are little shits, and you're like, I cannot wait for you to get the hell out of the house. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like childbirth. You have a baby, and you're like, hell, I'm never doing that again. It was so painful. And then you're pregnant again. Yeah. And then now that the kids have been back home, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad they're coming home. And now they're home. I'm like, pick up your shit. <laughs> wait a minute. Now, when are we moving you back in? Oh, August 3rd. Okay, I've got it on my calendar. Holy shit, how long is August 3rd? Yeah. So, so get back to the dating thing. What, what do, um, God, there's so many different dating styles. Yeah. Right. Right. So many different approaches to dating in the group. Yeah. I mean, I've done online dating in the past and that's actually where I met my second husband. But there's, even in online dating, there's different styles of online dating. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I did like, um, match when I was newly divorced the first time and, gosh, I was like, this is awesome. I had like seven dates my first week. I thought, holy crap, seven dates. But that's what women like to do. I was like, let's just knock it out. So I'd have like a little coffee with one or maybe a little lunch, no dinners, just keep it, you know, Mm -hmm. quiet and easy in case I wanted to make a quick exit. And then out of the seven, three of them, I went out with again the next week. 
and then after that, I narrowed it down to one and dated him for, you know, three or four months, and we had a really good relationship. What are, like, the top, some of your priorities that need to happen, like, the top three things you that need what? to happen? You know what? I think it's changed over the years. I mean, I would like for you to be a, a good person, you know? I want you to be employed, but I think that these men that I've found, I want you to be happily employed because if you find a guy, which I seem to find them, who are not happy with their job, that's where they're going to get their ego and their pride is either going to be stroked or it's going to be crushed. And they get so much of their male fulfillment, you know, from what I can see through that, (laughs) that um, I want them to have a good relationship with their kids too, because I think that that's also very telling. And that's something I will, yes. I'll give myself two, two, uh, two points to is the fact that I think every person I've ever dated has said, I can tell you, you have a good relationship with your kids and you have really good kids. And I'm like, yeah, cause I'll beat the shit out of them if they don't do what they're supposed to. And because I'm still paying the bills and their dad's still paying the bills and we're both pretty level headed. I wish we could do that. It's hard to do in a life group because we're at one person's house and their parents aren't there. So if like we could see our potential yeah. Dating scenario with their parents and their kids. Oh. You can tell so much. You can. You know, if their kids but are. But you little, can't see that up front. Right. Right. Yeah. You need to spend some time with them, like go to their house and see mm-hmm. their interactions, how they treat their mom. Right. And that was, I heard that a long time ago. You tell a good man by how he treats his mom. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's true. Yeah. I think most of the people I dated really have, they love their mom and they have good relationships. I don't know if that was because it was a boy and a mom. And I have a good relationship with my boys, too. And I'd like to think that I do. If you had them in here, you know, telling what they'd say, they'd be like, Mom is up our ass. She's got a list for us every morning. respect. Every morning when she comes down, when I come down the stairs or I come out of my room, there's like, my name is out there, and these are the things she wants me to do for the day. Yeah. It's just different. different, I think the chemistry has to be right. Well, yeah, you've got to find them attractive. You've got to feel like you've got to have that verbal connection because I've talked to some girls and you know some of these girls and it's just like you would think on the outside it would be immediately a good connection and it's just like there's back and forth and there's nothing nothing is happening at all it's just like you know you never you never know yeah you never know what's going on okay so this is from a guy in the group and he uh has dated uh I think a couple of the girls in the group And we were talking about this one individual girl that he had gone out with a few times. And um, in their conversation, she had mentioned, oh, she'd gone out with another guy that he also knew. And he was like, oh, he's a great guy. He's very nice. And and he said, uh, you know, he goes to church a lot, kind of a, a good a good Christian guy. Well, going to church doesn't necessarily mean. Well, that's this is what they said. Okay. But the point is that I said, so why didn't she like the other guy? And he said, you know, he's very nice, but he's very vanilla. And she used the words to him, he has no edge. Oh, my God. I was just about to tell you. And I just It's the same thing. What is she... Keep going. What are you looking for? You know, because you're right. Are you boring? Is it humdrum? I mean, I think that I would have definitely said that 15 years ago, you know, being single and dating. But now I'm like, you know, are they interesting? Do we have fun? And it depends on, you know, where she was in her married life or other people she's dated because you don't want to compare, but you kind of do because that's all you have is your past. And you're thinking about, oh, well, this, you know, person A, this guy was great in bed. Oh, my God. He's got an amazing penis. If that's the most important thing to you, well, then there you go. 
the next guy, oh my gosh, he's got great values. He believes in the same things I believe in. But finding somebody who's got the great penis and the great values and who's the right height and well, who has you a good smile. you should know about the the penis without the values. Well, I am because telling you. Because the values are, you shouldn't be doing that till you're married. There you go. Right. But you know, that doesn't usually always happen. That's tough. Because people like to test drive before you buy the automobile, yeah. so to speak. But nowadays there's a return policy, I think, on cars these days. Oh, but is there? Oh, another, a 30-day limon law, you can turn it back? Podcast, yeah. So really, have you ever been with a girl that she was horrible in bed and you broke up with her? I haven't, I haven't dated that much. Really? Horrible in bed. Yeah. And then I broke up with her. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Probably. Okay. Oh, my God. I, I've got to wrap my head around that question. I, was, I dated a guy for, I don't know, probably three months, and we were kind of getting intimate. And I remember my hand went down his pants, and we have a little measuring stick that we women do sometimes, and we put our hand down there, and we just go from the base this is the middle finger to this to the da and I was like oh oh that's small like what happened like it's like something's not right with it and he I didn't say that but he said to me actually he was like you know what I just want you to know I'm I have a small penis and I was like why are you saying that of course you're joking because usually men are like oh I have a small one and it's like ginormous no, he was telling the truth. Because I said, how do you know it's small? Like, what do you have, a magazine? And I forgot. <clears throat> He's a physician's assistant, so he does prostate exams. Oh, wow. So he actually sees other men's penises. But surely they're not erect when he's doing that. And I'll be damned. I put my hand on there, and I thought, Kurt, I'm never going to be satisfied. He is the nicest guy. Everybody loved him. He's just sweet. He's fun. He has a good heart. Can't do it. Cannot do it. I was like, mm-mm. So the next day, of course, he called, and he wanted to go out again, and I can't wait to see you. I never returned his phone call, ever. And he kept calling and calling. I couldn't. I didn't have the heart to tell him. Yeah. The smallest that's, penis I've man, ever seen in my deal. life. I just thought, how did he ever have kids? They must have gotten that turkey baster and shot it up in her because there's no way he would have had it big enough to. But wow. I know. Yeah, so more information than you ever wanted to know. But yeah, I mean, the sexuality part's important to women because we're not all dry and crusty yet. We're not over the age of where that's not important. But that physical intimacy and sweetness and, you know, someone who cares about you and says the nicest things, that you're like, oh, someone cares about me. What do you think about older guys? Uh, we, I think one of my groups, I had a conversation, or I didn't get into the conversation because I didn't agree with it, but a lot of the Women were talking about that the guys, like these are guys in their 50s, mm-hmm. only date guys like in uh, girls in their like 20s and 30s, or they were look, you know, they were, and I was like, man, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, um, men like your friend, we want a little edge, mm-hmm. and if you're your regular old 50 year old woman, and you think all the guys want is a pretty face. Yeah. And everything that, that looks right, that's not that's not it. That's not it. We want if you have a four, yeah. It's all tatted up and she's fun loving. Yeah. And has a great personality, mm-hmm. we're in. Really? Yes. You don't huh. have to have a seven or an eight or a nine at mm. all. Huh. We want a little bit of edge. Um I mean, is it not apparent? I mean, you look at 
like we were talking earlier, the at marketing advertising. Yeah. Do yeah. they have, <clears throat> you know, pretty girls that aren't hot on, on, Listen, on commercials? No. I got, I think, a lot of leverage out of my match profile whenever I did it because I said I would rather have a, like an average looking guy who has a great personality and I laugh with. He is hot versus some guy who is a nine who looks really great, but he's douche. not that fun. And he becomes very average. So yep. to me, I'm more about like the, the average guy, but that can make me laugh or we have a great connection or we have fun with or, and that's why I got married the second time is because a little bit of fire we go him, dancing. Right? Yes. And he's fun. And my feet were killing me that night. And he took my shoes off and he's rubbing my feet. I mean, just fun. Who wants to have fun? Or play games and have couples over, and because some of the men are just like, oh, I don't really want to do that. I mean, they just I just want to watch their football on Sundays and drink well, their beer. I'll tell you what. So da, here's da, da, da. a very good example of the guy that I'm dating. Um, Is it the same guy that, that you were dating? The same guy okay. I've been dating. Keep going. Um, I since I've been going out to Lake Hefner and riding around the park, or you know, around the lake. I know that there is a guy by the name of Bill and he has a sailboat and he rents it out for certain evenings and he has a website and you get on, it's called like sail with Bill or something. And it's like 125 bucks. So you go and jump on his sailboat with him and he takes you out. It's, it's called like the sunrise or the sunset and it's beautiful. And I thought, how much fun would that be? You can get four people. You can bring your beverages. I know the end of this story. I think I, you do. Keep going. And I said, I think we should do that. That'd be so fun. He goes, mm, not interested. Yeah, I knew it. I go, you don't think that'd be fun do you, to get out there and go and do that? And he was like, mm, no, I don't think so. But then I was talking to my bike riding buddy, which you obviously mm -hmm. know too. And I was telling him about it. And he goes, really? Let's fly. Let's he go. goes, if I was dating a girl and she said, hey, I've got a surprise for you tonight. Just meet me at Lake Hefner. We're going to go do something. I'd be all for it. And if I found out that's what it was, he goes, that sounds so cool. Like, I haven't had a woman plan for me like that. And I was like, well, shit. So, you know, <laughs> but, you know, the guy I'm seeing has great qualities. But just that that, he was like, yeah, I don't think so. And then another, uh, one of his friends, the guy that I'm dating, mm -hmm. I set him up with someone um, that I'm friends with. And they went out one time and my boyfriend said, hey, so where are they going? And I go, well, actually, they're going to a park. And he goes, a park for a date? Yeah, I, I said, I think Joe's packing a picnic and it's going to be a big thing. And then he was like, that is so stupid. Why would they go to a park? But I think a park would be romantic. You make a picnic basket. Let's do it. And they ended up not working out, but she hadn't had her COVID vaccination. He had, because he's a physician. And so, it, but it, I guess communication, whatever, it just didn't work out. And since then, I've set him up with someone else. They are like happy. Two peas in a pod. Two peas. I mean, he came up to me when he saw me and he was like, we've been together. We just had our month anniversary. And I'm like, oh my God, to find a man who says we've had our month anniversary, <laughs> he's an all about la la. And then... He said that in front of the guy. He was like, oh, for the love of God, I don't remember any of that stuff. I mean, I just remember one day of the month because Michelle will remind me, you know, it's our da -da -da month anniversary. <laughs> and I say, yes, it is. <laughs> That's a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I've, you know, I've had my share of younger girlfriends. Yeah. Don't you like them younger? <sighs> well, I was trying to think about why older guys like and then being friends with so many older women mm -hmm. what 
the gospel is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not dating younger anymore. Oh. So what do you mean considered younger? Like a couple years or 10 you know years? You what or... I mean by younger. A lot oh, younger. Okay. A lot younger. So, um, so now you're going to go back closer to your age? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm staying in the 40s for sure. Okay. 50s, That's good. 40s, yeah. Okay. Because you're how but old again? If I'm 51. Okay. Um, so, like, we're out at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you're with a bunch of people your age. Yep. Or this is my experience. Mm-hmm. This has been my personal experience. Hey, um, why don't we go walk the lake? Or let's go, um, go do something. Okay. Pick your point. I, I'm trying to, I'm grasping here what, what it was exactly. But just anything, hey, let's go do this. Mm-hmm. If I'm with, uh, I'm going to get criticized for this. If I'm with, like one of my previous girlfriends. Uh-huh. And I say, "Hey, let's go here and let's go see a movie and let's go to dinner." Okay. They say, "Okay." Yeah. Awesome. If you're with someone that's my age, you don't get, "Okay, let's roll." You get, "Well, you know, I need to do this and I got to go feed the dog and I got, you know, I need to get ready or I got to go do that." You know, the excuses come. But huh. you never get any of the Man, God's my witness. It's happened more than once. That is so interesting. Younger girls are ready to roll. Kurt, I don't even... Even if it's just go for a, a bike ride or go kick the ball around in the in the park. That is so interesting. Or go so to a movie or go to eat or go anything. So do you hey, think let's go see same? my friend. Let's go see my friend Crazy Jim Foster. Yeah. Is that the let's same with women though? So like whenever I asked the guy I'm dating, hey, do you want to do that? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. If I, I, well, if I would have asked a guy who so was in the their deals, 30s. Girls, women who are 50 don't date guys in their 20s and 30s. That's true. We don't. It's acceptable for some reason mm-hmm. that older men yeah. date yeah. Uh, girls in their whatever. So 10, what if, oh, you're you know dating someone or even not, and somebody came to you with a suggestion, hey, let's go out on the lake one night and go. You, it's very peaceful. You just kind of tootle around and yeah, he drives the boat and stuff and you're, it's very quiet and... What would you have said if a girl said, hey, Kurt, you know what? Meet me at Lake Hefner. Let's grab dinner, and then we're going to do something afterwards. What time? Yeah, you'd go, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it'd be fun and yeah. easy, and you're easy going. But some, like you said, when there were our age, a lot of, there's a certain amount of people that are set in their ways. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, they don't want to go bother with trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference, and that's why a lot of, I think, older guys, because they don't want to have to deal with maneuvering through you know, difficulties like, okay, well, let's go to your house. You can get ready or I'll come back and pick you up yeah. or, or I'll meet you there or whatever. It's a hassle. And guys are lazy. Huh. I'm lazy. Because, you know, part of relationships, you kind of do things the other person is interested in because you care yes. about them. Yes. Like I've sat yes. and watched football games. I don't give two yes. shits about football. I'm like, who won the game? Whatever. I'm going to be in the kitchen. I don't give two shits about football. I want to make the women now want to watch football. Yes. I want to make the snacks. I want to coordinate in the kitchen. I want to be Susie Homemaker mm-hmm. and go watch your damn football. I don't care about that. Yes. Yeah. I've watched more football than I really care to, but I do it because whoever I'm dating if they want to do it, well, then we'll do it. But then the guys who care about you, too, they'll watch your little, you know, weird yeah. shows. Because I've watched some of the Housewives and stuff. And yep. Yeah. And they'll be like, what the hell are you watching? I'm like, I, think I watch this, though, and they're crazy, but it makes me feel like I'm very normal. Because I don't yell at my mm-hmm. girlfriends like that, and I'm not going to throw anything or get nuts. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm pretty normal. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. But I, I just remember 
you know, soul searching a while back. And I just remember going, man, that's, that's why, maybe why I've been gravitating because I'm so lazy or so easily offended. Like, I, hmm. you know, uh, it's just, that's just the way it was. I remember it happened, you know, I've dated a couple of girls that were really, really young and because you just wanted their hotness and that for some reason they took a whatever liking to me but and you took a liking back god they were gorgeous and so what ultimately ended the two gorgeous women relationship I stopped with you? seeing them because well because they were go with the flow they were easy going yeah, joes that's why i don't date younger girls i've met several older gr- women that are my age yeah. give or take and they're out there they're yeah. out there that are cool that are of down course. like you yeah you if i said hey like hey let's go eat you'd be like, like, let's okay, go. Time. Yeah. yeah but some girls are just like oh you know i've already i'm in for the night and it's six o'clock well that's good for you because you go to bed at seven anyway you can just come over have Not a little nightcap okay well that's like your only night you know what that could be a downfall for you honestly oh it's a downfall for your dating relationship but if i'm dating that um it doesn't matter i know but if, I'm, I'm, if there's some girl it's like, hey, let's go eat or whatever. Yeah. And I'm cool with her. I'm uh-huh. just work. I don't care. Okay. I'll I'll go to bed at midnight. And because wake up you at know, three. one of my girlfriends is interested in someone, and he works not the night shift, but he goes to work at like whatever two or three or whatever time one forty five. I don't know, and gets off at like a midnight, and does that like five or six days a week. And I was like, ugh. I mean, your first thought is, God, who can date somebody that does that? Because you don't have any of your evenings together. What do you do? Have breakfast together in the mornings, you know. But most people who work during the day and time hours, it's going to be a hard compromise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think when sometimes people look at their relationships and go, "Well, why am I not in one?" Well, let's look at you, and would somebody want to date you? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you taking care of yourself, or can you take care of your household, and can you, I don't know, pay your bills? And I almost feel like the men that I have dated throughout my life have said, not always but a couple of them that I dated you know long term two to three years said I don't feel like you need me and I'm like I don't need you to fix my shit like I've got handyman that can do that I, I can call people and stuff but I need you like emotionally you know to love me and support me and just be there for me mm-hmm. but I think that every person needs to figure out what do they need men need to be needed right and that's why these two relationships these two guys would say I feel like you don't need me but I'm like what do I need you to do should I, I, it's hard because when you get divorced, the love language that you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that every man has a love language of need to be revered and needed. Yeah. If we don't feel to be revered and needed and worthy, right? You need us, you want right, us, of course. We're sh- well, it's, worthy it's and, and wanting you, and yeah. you know, for sure. But for to be an ancillary thing, a guy's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. Well, and then I've had men who've said, thank God that you're independent because you're not that needy girlfriend Where who's like, at? can you come over and take care of me and do it? And they're in their mid-50s. You know, that they just want somebody part-time. who adds to. Right. Probably more part-time-ish, but isn't needy and uh, whiny and, oh, my God, why can't you do this? Or why don't I see you more? And it's been a struggle even for me dating the person I'm dating. He's a very, you know, busy physician and I don't hear from him oftentimes until eight or nine o'clock at night. And that was hard for me to get used to. I kept thinking, does he even like me? I mean, most people you date, they're interested. Maybe there's a good morning text or a call sometime in the day, but there'd be like nothing. 
And that's just the pattern because I understand his business better now mm-hmm. and his family situation, kids week on, week off. And so I see him a little more when he doesn't have the kids versus when he does. And so, um, yeah, I think just kind of doing kind of like a little analysis and figuring out, hmm, where am I? What do I want? Because what I wanted two years ago, I don't want now. Mm. Yeah, it's grown that much, huh? I think so. Changed that much? Yeah, well, I mean, going through a divorce and I don't want to, you know, get all out there and I didn't want to have 15 dates. I just, I've, you know, truly been out with one person on a dating scenario Mm -hmm. since, you know, the divorce happened last year and it's just easier. It's less confusion. I can still devote my time to my job, my kids, and now this bike riding adventure, which, you know, trying to figure out your week, I've get a yellow legal pad just like you have right in front of you and I write down Monday I write down all my conference calls my appointments with my physicians and how far I need to ride that day or I get a day off today is a day off thank you very much so my ass appreciates being here <laughs> and do you write down like your other priorities like spend time with Fred or whatever no Mm-mm. no I should though I think that's a that's probably smart that's a big deal well, I can't make my and then calendar write that and then make a copy of it and put it in one of his shirts in his closet Oh, God, I'll know which shirt he wears or how's he going to find it. Yeah, that's good. I should probably do that. Or in his shoes. Oh, or yeah. in his bathroom drawer. Uh-huh. Or he could write how but much you hard. care about him on his that's true. mirror when What's you go to his bath- bathroom. Yeah. Right before you leave. Mm-hmm. He's a big card guy. So I'll get Card? cards. Cards. Oh, okay. Leave cards and I'll leave cards. And like, you know, he went fishing out of town on a men's trip and so I went and got I don't know like a little basket and I put stuff in there that he would need like all of your um, you know little deodorant and a little disposable razor shower cream shampoo just you know little fun mm-hmm. stuff and then some candy in there too and then on the outside of the card I put like a big fishing lure with these big hooks and then I wrote to him and I was like hey I hope you catch the fish of your <laughs> life oh and by the way I think you're a great catch oh sweet it's a little corny but he was like oh that's so nice and so then whenever I went out of town I was like hey I'm going out of town um how'd you meet this guy by the way a friend of a friend yeah just a friend introduced us and I was going out of town that's better than cold calling well and I don't think that the friend the mutual friend knew that we were going to hit it off when he said hey do you want to he said the woman I'm dating and I are going to go out to dinner and there's going to be a few of my friends there and this gentleman is like 70. So I thought, oh my gosh, he wants me to meet one of his friends. Maybe I'm going to get an 80 year old. I was, you know, in my mind, just kind of cracking jokes. Uh-huh. Of course, I would never say that because he's a wonderful guy. And um, I get there and we just start talking. And I was, and I thought he was a dentist. And I said, oh, you're a dentist, right? And he said, no, I'm not a dentist. And I was like, really? Damn it. I've lost tonight. I was hoping that you were a dentist. And so, and he was like, no, I'm, I'm a surgeon. And I said, oh, okay. Very nice nice to meet you and then we've just been talking ever since so it just you know takes a while to kind of get to where you know you want to be where you want to go and then I think so for some of us we just want to stay constant mm-hmm. I've uh, you know I've been in so many life groups one of them was like it was there's a lot of guys and they're not like we hear about the guys that that like serial date she'll like um like we had one girl that joined our group and she was kind of nutty and all the guys were standing around like weeks later or whatever going hey this that new girl she texted me and said hey i look good and all this stuff all the guys in there were like me me too me too me too and so 
she ended up getting thrown out. She was she got on YouTube and she was nutty, like full on nutty. Who in her, who invited her to the group? She she got our number from somebody and she got found the address. She's, How big is your group? It was it was like twenty twenty five people. That's a lot. It was somebody nice. hosts that every week yeah. or every other week or whatever. Who We've is been that big down. enough? Well, you'd be surprised. It doesn't take. I mean, if you put chairs next to, well, you're in your room, you can get them yeah. in there. Yeah. So, hmm. but the guys are terrible. A lot of the guys, I'm me being one of them also, I'm not going to approach a girl uh-huh. because what if I approach her and she says, and she's like, mm, not interested. Right. Okay. And then, and so then I see another girl. Okay. So on the girls night, hey, you know, I'm going out with Kurt. Oh, he asked me out. Oh, he asked, oh, and then mm-hmm. six other girls are like, mm-hmm. oh, he asked me out. So it's just like, yeah. then I look like a slime ball. Well, then it looks like you're just on the hunt. Right. You're looking for a girlfriend or you're So a lot a of the guys time. kind of wait. They, they wait mm-hmm. and just wait kind of for the, for the you know, the, the crack in the door. Yeah, yeah. Open that door just, just a little. Just want to see. Hmm. Just open that door just a little bit. Yeah. Then we, we'll kick it in. Yeah, then you'll make your move. Yeah. Do a lot of the people in your life group date each other? Because I would think that would we get very good. We had marriages con- out of our life group. Oh, I remember you did. That's right. Yeah, a couple, two, three marriages and several relationships. You know, whether, you know, they're going to fly or not. Is yeah. yet to be known, but um, they're going to, we'll see. Oh, I mean, we're hoping for the best. We always hope for the best. Yeah. You know, I know that at least a couple of them are going to make it because they're, they're really good. And they're all good people. It's just, they're different styles. I was thinking about Sarah, you know, the one that. Yeah, yeah. Board, yeah. I was thinking yeah. about that. I don't think she's in your life group though, but I always look at different people and think, oh yeah, well they Sarah. make it. Sarah, Sarah and Kelly. Oh yeah, they're yeah. in my life group. Yeah, they are. Oh, I didn't know they were. A Tuesday okay. night group. I'm in more than one group. Okay. Oh, that's so. right. That's right. Yeah. So they. They're solid like, people, but. Yeah. We'll see. She brought them to my wedding. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Hmm. And that yeah. girl that I brought to the wedding. Yeah. She was my wedding date. Uh-huh. She's married. She's getting married to a guy. So really? Yeah, she didn't meet him in church, but huh. but they're they're together. So very good. They've been together for a couple, two, three years. Oh well, so, then that's together. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe that's great for some people, because now that I've been married twice and divorced, I don't know that I'd want to get married again. I mean, maybe I would live You're with somebody eventually. I don't know. Another forty years by yourself or dating. I don't know. I I don't think. No, you could still be in a committed relationship and not be married. I mean, I guess to get again looking at your end game, mm-hmm. is it to be married? Is it to be you know? Obviously, people want to be happily married, but maybe you just want to hang out for a little while and hanging out. I don't know made, with my old girl, my old old maid girlfriends. It's not. Uh, it's what not. about you? How long have you been single? Now I'm not dating though. I've been single, 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 ten, ten years. Right, I years. was twelve when I got married. Yeah. So married twelve, divorced twelve, married a year and a half. You'll you'll find the right one. You never know. Yeah, and you it's might you will too. But oh, I, I know I will. I think I'm even, I don't know if I'm looking. There's lots of candidates. Good candidates. There's a couple of good candidates right now. Uh oh. So you've got somebody on your we'll on your see. mind? We'll see. Well, just pray about it. <laughs> Get to your life group and pray. <laughs> Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, put the best woman in front of me because I need a woman. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Lord, can we please have one that goes to bed at seven o'clock? Because I'm going to be very lonely every night if she comes in at ten o'clock. <laughs> Speaking of that, I I dated a girl. We did like a little uh, trial, just a date. 
a trial date. Yeah, a trial dating like, period. If you don't want it, you give it back. Well, we just we just wanted to hang out and not kind of have any bad feelings if it didn't work out. Yeah. And I think my schedule maybe caused it mostly to stop because not only was she not on my schedule, mm-hmm. she was on an opposite schedule mm. where she kind of went to work when I was getting off work. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and it was really hard to build a relationship. Yeah. When well, she went to you work. Well, do anything more with her then. That's kind of a good. Yeah. So we ended pretty much cordially. So no yeah. big deal. No, no I. No, no big train wreck or anything right. like that. No, I like that too. Just kind of take it easy and just not too easy. no i'm just being truthful i think i think dating is fun some people i think they get out of relationships and they're just scorned or they're hurt and you know those women so when i had this little get together with just the girls over at my house there was one and she Mm. was just railing on her ex-husband she didn't have anything good to say about him she's glad she's divorced but it's like a married for what 20 years yeah yeah, it's, but it's like a hate men thing. You know, I gave mm-hmm. them so much. There's so much anger and bitterness and resentment. And it just fumes out of you. And I was like, no man is going to be interested in that. Or woman. Mm-hmm. If you have that and you're just, uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's just, ugh, it's not worth it. There's some girls that are, that I know that were married for like tw- in their 20, in 20s, like 22, 25, yeah. 28 years. And the guy just turned into a pile. So one of the guys, there's this really nice girl. She's she's married to a guy who is just abusive, mm. big POS, mm-hmm. just like unbelievable kind of stuff. And and some of the you know girls are still they're damaged from it years later. But how do you fix that when you when they got married? They were dumb, dumb kids. I mean, the guys for sure were dumb kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I got married when I was 22, I got married when I was 27. I wasn't even, I didn't even know my ass from a hole in the ground. I was 23. Yeah. And your husband was really cool and really bright. Yeah, he was 25. Was he smart? You had it all together? You know what? I, smart enough for me. At the time, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> but we got to wait till we get out of school. So. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I was a clown. And I can imagine getting married. Not knowing, you know, not knowing anything about Christianity, not knowing about mm-hmm. how to lead the family right. and to be a good husband mm-hmm. and to be a good father mm-hmm. and to provide properly emotionally, spiritually and everything for the family. I didn't think of anything that, you know, what I was thinking of when I was 25, mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. that's it. I was thinking about me and my car or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, banging it, it out like, with the hottest babe. It was just horrible. I was horrible, you know. Well, then you're probably a good example now for your boys, and you can tell them, listen, this is how you don't want to be. Yeah. God, it sucks, man. Yeah. Such a clown. Well, hopefully your clown days are over. Maybe that's what your t-shirt should say. I'm Kurt, and my clown days are over. So if you want something serious, here's my digits. I'm going to print that up, and it's going to be on my future website. Here's my digits. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're a mess. What else? Anything else? I don't know. Anything else Goodness. you want to ask me? How long have we been talking here? A couple hours. Golly, it's 4.37. No. I got here at 2.30, so two hours. Okay, two hours. Yeah, two hours. No, that was fun. I had a good time. Is there anything else you want to know? No. I'm going to remember it like in 30 minutes when you leave. And you'll be like, damn it, I wanted to ask her that. Well. Yeah. But this is, yeah, I, I knew I wanted to have you on because you had a lot, lot to talk about. I'm sure I'm going to have you on again. Like oh. 
I'm gonna what I do typically is after these yeah I uh, I'll write down like keep I keep a pad with me all the time so I'll say oh I should have asked her this <laughs> and the people that I've had on here yeah um, I'll write down okay when Cliff comes back I'm gonna ask him this when Michelle comes back I'm oh. gonna, and I'll have a list of questions oh that's good so my next podcast I have with you I'll have all the stuff that I forgot oh. to ask oh well, because by then, maybe I'll have some of my girlfriend stories. I'm like, maybe I should write some of those down and think about those. You in should my definitely mind. do an ebook, if not a full blown book. Oh, God. It, it was really, it was, I don't even know what the name of it was going to be, but it was going to be, you know, stories of motherhood, stories of single life, stories of, I can't remember all the of sorority days. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of my favorite stories when I was in the sorority um, my freshman year in college. So in high school, I had one boyfriend. That's it. He was a couple years older, but one just hot boyfriend and I, we were kind of going through a little challenging time and I was talking to my girlfriend Amy in class one day in high school and I was like I don't know what's going on with Jerry he's just not the same she was like oh Jerry loves you he's he's fine I'm sure okay well then a couple of weeks later we get into this argument we're dating for two years and he goes Amy and he like he's yelling at me uh my name's Michelle and I go you just called me Amy and then I named off the four Amy's that I know. And I go, and it better not be this last one because she was my closest friend. And he was like, it was. I said, oh, my God. Dang. So hurt and pissed. I went and got some shoe polish. <laughs> I went back and I got it out. And at the high school, she had a little perfect parking spot. I wrote, bitch, slut, whore, <laughs> all over her little Suzuki samurai <laughs> at the time. And it wasn't like the plastic, you know, it was kind of, jam- I mean, I was all time. over. No, I mean, it was, no, it was the plastic. I was just, I was like so pissed. And she was like, I'm sorry. I didn't really mean it. Whatever. Horse slut <laughs> bitch. Okay. Everybody in school knew that I was pissed at her because our school, we only graduated with 250 people. <laughs> so then this was my senior year, right? Then I go to college and I join a sorority and there's a local bar there that everybody gets together. All the fraternities, which there's only three, the sororities, there's only three. We all go there. And I look across the room, Kurt, and I see Amy. And I'm like, oh, my God. I could clobber her eyes out. I went over to my sorority sisters. I told them all what happened. They were like, what? And then they dared me. So at that time, pitcher of beer was like a dollar. So I got a full pitcher of beer, and I filled it up. And I walked all the way across the bar. And I yelled at her. I was like, Amy. And she turns around. I threw the entire pitcher of beer in her face and then I dropped the pitcher and then I turned around and walked back and all my sorority sisters were (laughs) clapping for me they were like yes 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 oh I'm so proud of you I mean not my proudest moment by any means but have you talked to her since well so then the next year I'd actually just met the man that I ended up marrying um and we'd gone on a few dates, and I came home for Christmas break. Because remember, we went to high school together. So all of us came home from college. One of the other uh, guys or gals that I went, went to high school with was having a come, a come back together party. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and she was there. And I was like, oh, shit, there's Amy. And my girlfriends were like, oh, my God, don't give Michelle any pictures of beer. <laughs> because they all knew the story. And I walked over, and I was like, hey, Amy. And then she had a glass of wine, and she threw it on me. And then we started scrapping. I mean, I've never been in a fight in my entire (laughs) life. I was like, she was like trying to pull my hair. I was trying to pull her hair. I'm like, oh, my God. We don't even act like animals. And they were pulling me off, and they pulled her off. And then she was drunk, and she apologized. And I apologized for throwing that pitcher of beer on her. But I did not apologize for shoe polishing her car because (laughs) she pissed me off knowing that 
she was obviously with my boyfriend at some time. So you guys are all right right now. We're all allegedly. Right. We're all right right now. Yeah, I saw her at our twenty year in a, a reunion at the high school. Did you have some laughs? Um, or did you talk to her? Yeah, I did talk to her, and I was like, "That was so funny." She was like, "I'm so sorry." She goes, "I'm glad that you know we're okay now." And I was like, "Yeah, me too." And that was it. And so, yeah, <laughs> no, she's it's fine. It's now. Funny how time when you're in high school, and then when you're older, anything pretty much happened in high school it's just like doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but the time you're like it totally mm-hmm. matters. It's, it's like, like, like the end world. of the world, yeah. right? If you don't make cheerleading, which pff, I wasn't a cheerleader, I can do a backflip for anything. But I was map made. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. And I was in the band. You know, I always tell people, I was like, hey, I was in the band. And they're like, oh, you're in the band? I was like, oh, yes, I played the clarinet. So it makes me good at very, a lot of other things. And they're like, oh, okay. Band camp. Exactly. But then on my dating resume, when I was newly single, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a dating resume that says, because I just had a hysterectomy. I was like, I am available 30 days a month. <laughs> How many other 35-year-olds can say that? Chwing, chwing. Not many. So... You have like your top 10 list. <laughs> Do you remember what last time we went to eat at, we were at Red Rock with our friends <sighs> and you busted out with what you just did and they were just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who, I, don't, I don't even remember when, we, when was that? This was, man, this you know, I kind of say so. Three stuff. or four months ago and you just had some foreign thing done to you. Oh yeah, yeah. And I guess they weren't yeah. ready for that. Yeah, well, you know, like you <laughs> have to be ready. You never know what's going to come out of this mouth. It's usually pretty respectful. It was okay though. with me, but it was just like I was felt bad for everybody else. Oh, uh, well. Just like, what did are, she say? Are they still our friends? Yeah. Do they still hang out with me? Well, then I guess they weren't too. They weren't too bruised or offended. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think we all have like one crazy friend. Somebody who oh, tells man. us stuff that we either one, one. live vicari- vicariously through mm-hmm. or we're like, damn, I wish I had the, you know balls to do that or oh I've always thought about that or um yeah so maybe I'm a little bit of that for some people do you know my friend Jim yeah the crazy one yeah crazy we used to go dancing together right at Groovies yes of course god yeah he talks about the flat earth and all that oh god okay well he's your wackadoo friend (laughs) not mine all I know is after I met him he asked me to be Facebook friends and I said yes and then he posts all this weird shit on Facebook all the time and I thought okay unfriend he, it's too much you know those people yeah, who are obsessively posting about their day what they had for breakfast or what somebody cut them off and you're like for the love of god people get a hobby do something different don't make he Facebook just does your the uh, conspiracy theory stuff oh that's my all god. he does he didn't do the drivers wow. i don't think well ever to each their own he's got stories he's got a, he's a riot you know that he's mm-hmm. bananas but yeah he's fun. but he's your friend and yeah. you still love him, even though he's a nutcase. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. We we have girlfriends that were like, she's he's crazy. He's fun to party with. She's crazy Just to go out and go dancing with and mm-hmm. hit all the bars. He knows everybody at all the bars. He knows all the owners, right. all the door guys. Yeah. But you know what? Those are the people that we're kind of drawn to because mm-hmm. they bring us out even more of our shell. If Get me we're out of my bubble. Not sure. Because if we had everybody that was like us or I would say less than us in, in terms of outgoing mm-hmm. personality, because I've got plenty of those friends. You know, you're just, we might be sitting at home or sitting around the pool or maybe watching TV or having a glass of wine versus if the Jim people. calls, we'll be at the Copa <laughs> with our shirts off, there dancing at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And you'll have the time of your life and you'll yeah. be like, man, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I know. stories to tell. Good stories. <laughs> yeah. Some you can share and maybe some you shouldn't share, Kurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> just don't use real names. Make them up. That's what I did. My little. I would even want to do that with some of my stories. Really? Yeah. Too too rough. Too rough. Okay. Well, then keep your stories to yourself. <laughs> just say, you know, I heard somebody once tell me, and then tell the story. I don't think changing the names would do enough. Well, that's why it's a brand. Your friend. You have to it. change. Gosh, we'd have to. I don't know what I have to do. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to come up with a story yeah. and change so many things about it. Yeah. But then it's hard, though, because you're trying to figure out what you changed mm -hmm. it to. Because if you're just telling the truth or telling the story, it just rolls off your tongue. Yeah. It'd have to be somebody else of a s different nationality in a different country in a different time period. Okay. That's going to be really. Yeah, what are you going to ride in on your horse and pull it's out your be sword? A conspiracy theory. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> don't go back too far. We know that you like to wear a kilt and play your toot your Whatever. little horns, but I'm just saying. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all for now. Yeah, I'm going to definitely have you back, and thank you so much for coming. Michelle. You are welcome. Thanks Michelle for Cal. inviting me. I'm glad I got the opportunity to come and hang out with you for a couple of hours. Yay. It was so fun. I liked it. I loved it. I have to go to the bathroom, though. I've got to pee like a racehorse. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye.